All right. So sh- should we start with the drawing? Might as well. I mean, unless you want to make people wait to the very end. <laughs> just like the nightly news where they tease a good story all the way to the end. Yeah. We just bring it up every 20 minutes that we're not doing the drawing yet. All right. Well, let's not do that. And instead, uh, hello, this is Headcanon. We'll get to our main intro in a bit. But uh, we're going to start off with a bang here by having a little drawing for the contest we've been talking about the last month. Uh, as you may know, we released a book. It's called Trouble Always Finds Me. People who tweeted or Instagram posted a picture of the book that they bought with the hashtag Trouble Always Finds Me got entered into a drawing to co-host a podcast with us on this or a PL podcast. So we are about to pick the two winners right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've got our random number generator. It's going to be one of 48 people. Uh, why don't you go first? Generate us a number. And tell us who won. All right. All right. Um, it was number 34. Mm-hmm. And that is Kayla. 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 Is that uh, from Twitter or Instagram? That is from Instagram. From Instagram. All right. Um, make a note of that because I'm not sure if I saw the ones on Instagram. Okay. And we will contact Kayla. I will go ahead and generate a number now. Boop. Three. Good number. Number three is Megan from Twitter. Megan from Twitter. So Kayla and Megan, congratulations. The rest of you guys, sorry. We will probably do some more contests. So um, we may even draw another number. We'll see. We'll see how it goes. Ooh. And uh, I think we're, I don't know, let's, let's not do the other one right away, but I think we're going to do like a review contest, let's say, starting in like, I don't know, Thanksgiving or something. Okay. That's something right. to be thankful for. Well, that was fun. Congratulations to Megan and Kayla. And thank you for all for participating. Um, it was very encouraging to get so many responses especially because it wasn't even all the people who were purchasing the book. You know, it was, these are just people who want to be part of the contest. So that's pretty awesome. Mm-hmm. All right. Let's get into the actual episode. If you're ready. I am so ready. Hello and welcome to Headcanon. I'm James. And I'm Marco Sparks. Hi. Hello. How's it going? It's going good. How are you doing? I'm doing well. At least I keep telling myself that. What's your, uh, you know, we normally talk about a COVID threat level. Are you more anxious about COVID right now or the election? <laughs> what a sexy cocktail these two are together. Um, Right now? Yeah. The election. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I'm way more anxious to be about the election. I mean, I don't know. I'm, I'm practically in a bubble, so I'm not super worried about catching COVID personally, but yeah. I mean, we're probably not going to know anything Tuesday night, right? It doesn't mean I won't be watching and hanging on every fucking district that reports. Yeah. Miami Dade, come on. Yep. Pull through for once, you assholes. I remember that fun night four years ago. Mm. Try 20 years ago. Well, there's that too. Mm Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, before we get into, our I know I would I would topic. take that back. I would say four years ago was worse in the sense of it was the one night. There were bouts of hope in that like eighteen days in Florida. Yeah, I mean that was a drawn out thing, and that I don't. It was just different then. I mean, by the time we got to Supreme Court night, I was just mm-hmm. like, I'm exhausted. Yeah, I can't. I can't care anymore. Also, I can say in retrospect, like 
Do you remember when you thought George W. Bush was the end of the world? He really was an incredibly shitty president. And it, it seemed like that should have doomed Republicans forever. And then look where we were eight years later. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if Trump has murdered as many people mm. as Bush did. <laughs> COVID-19. True. True. I mean, and they're Americans. Mm-hmm. Like, whereas Bush was more of an international. Just committing lots of war crimes. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Yay. Well, let's uh, let's try to distract people from the election for a little bit. We're going to be talking about Scott Pilgrim versus the world today. But before we get to our main topic, what are you watching? Uh, I'm watching the same things you're watching. I'm assuming you want to talk about Mandalorian season two. I suppose we can. I assume you watched it. I'll say this. Every time I got bored at that episode, which was more than a few times, they did the smart thing and they cut over to Baby Yoda. I didn't feel like there was enough Baby Yoda in that episode. I don't know. This show, it's, it's such a fucking cartoon. It's like amazing for TV budget level effects and like Saturday morning cartoon writing. Like it's just so mediocre in that department. Um, I but don't know. Better than season one, I would say. It, it just felt like watching somebody else play a side quest in a Star Wars video game. Speaking of video games. Also, mm-hmm. as much as you have to admire their tenacity to stick with, you know, you're only going to see Pedro Pascal's face one time. Mm-hmm. Like the amount that Timothy Oliphant's character paid for that armor. Like he does no problem not wearing that helmet. And also at a certain point when he's like speeder biking, I was like, no way is his hair staying that. Like, they chill. really should have put the helmet on him for that. Cause it, it just, the effects weren't as good. It's always harder to do a real person and that sort yeah. of effect. Like I don't they need to like turn the wind machine up or something. Well, just like, was he just like, we're about to get on the speeder bikes. We're going to be going 100 miles an hour. Let me put a shit ton of pomade in my hair. And and look, guys, his speeder bike is made out of one of the pods from Anakin's pod racer. Everybody got that reference? Yeah. Easter egg. It, like more and more, all this fucking Easter eggs and like deep lore references the show does just leave me so incredibly cold. Like I could not give less of a shit spoiler about Boba Fett. I don't know why people are excited that he's back. He's a nothing of a character. There's He's... Already, like the Mandalorian already is Boba Fett for all intents and purposes. Why do we need another one? And rant. I mean, anytime you do a vampire show, I guess Dracula has to show up eventually. Mm. Also, I can't. Boba get Fett sucks guy. so hard. Every single time Boba Fett would show up in the old expanded universe, it was just suck from wall to wall. Like he's so boring. Sorry. I just can't get excited about a guy who wears knee pads. Well, I mean, if you're doing merc work you don't want to injure your knees sure Mm -hmm. what else are you watching uh like you the queen's gambit oh yeah what episode um let's see i watched this about a week ago i only got like to episodes three or four and i've been kind of busy the last few Mm. days i kind of want to see anna taylor joy play like uh like sherlock holmes at some point i I just wanted to, to step all over me but yeah, that would be good, Sherlock, too. Yeah, maybe she could just like throw you against the wall, spit just in your mouth. drive over me with her car. Yeah. <laughs> break, break my knees, you inscrutable mm-hmm. mannequin. Yeah. Because um, she like, in a lot of ways, her affect just reminded me so much of like Cumberbatch in Sherlock. Hmm. But sexier. I hardly see that. To me, she just seems so predatory in The Queen's Gambit. Mm. She's so intense. And it, like, it's a really interesting performance. And I worry that she'll be completely overlooked because it's not like a big performance you know, in award season time, but like 
it's all like reactive and like expressions. She barely has any dialogue really. Like the, the amount of dialogue in the show is like pretty low, all things considered. And you just, you're all like, just like reading her expressions and kind of getting into her head purely through her performance. Uh, shout out to Thoroughbreds, which just as I was watching part of this, I was just remembering how much I enjoyed that movie. I also really enjoy <clears throat> that. I don't know this episode. I feel like, <clears throat> excuse me, I'm choking to death. Mm-hmm. I feel like the COVID. show didn't really um, more like I uh, swallowed too much Gatorade. Mm-hmm. I, I feel like the show didn't like go down a lot of the same easy traps. I don't know. Like it doesn't do like, it's like, Oh, there's like a, a shitty adoptive father. Is, are we going to have some horrible sexual you think, assault? You nope. think there is? No, nope. nothing like that. You know, is, yeah. is she going to get bullied at her school? No, not really. You know, it's like it's all it doesn't go to like the big dramatic TV trope. It's more understated uh, and rich because of that, I would say. Mm-hmm. Really good show. <laughs> the Queen's Gambit. You should watch it, even though it's on Netflix. It's more about just pills and alcohol. Mm-hmm. Now they're great. Yeah, I, I really want some of those drinks. I'm I'm intrigued. Hmm. Hmm. All right. Uh, you watch anything else? Nope. I guess I can include The Last of Us to the video game in my what am I watching? Because I spent most of the second half of my vacation playing this game. It's really long and brutal. Um, I got to a part in the game where I thought, okay, this feels like like uh, you know the end of the story is fast approaching. You know, it seems like it's time for the big showdown with the boss and then like the it it, like flashes back three days and it's like let's play a whole other game through a different character's perspective like what they were doing this whole time Hmm. and at first i'm like oh is this just like a little little quick flashback no no it's like half the game (laughs) and so like i thought i was almost done and then i had a whole other half of the game to play so i'm almost done now i uh i I think i'm ready to be done i'm enjoying it it's interesting i'm curious to see if they lean into certain tropes in the uh, the big conclusion, but I don't know. I think a lot of people didn't like this game. It is very brutal. A lot of people die. Hmm. Anyway, cool. what are you listening to? Uh, let's see. I had another Haim night. I had an REM night. Mm-hmm. Um, what uh, what era REM? All of it, baby. All, All of it. the place. Well, not like the first few years. Not, I've never been like an early the, REM guy. Yeah, yeah like I. You can compress all of the like Georgia years into like like Documents. the eponymous or the eponymous album, which is just, like a collection of like early years greatest hits. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you know I listened to a little bit of the new Ariana album, like everybody. Really? Yeah, I did not. I don't truck with her. Uh, I mostly just listen to Scott Pilgrim soundtrack. Cool. What are you reading? Uh, a book called Ghost Wall by Sarah Moss. Did you finish the other book? I did finally. Mm. Congratulations. <laughs> Yeah, way to go, me. Mm-hmm. I also finished oh. a book. Oh shit! Where are you? Were you? Was this the Hunger Games book? What were you reading? No, I, I got. I finished that a few weeks ago. What a fucking slog! No, this is the left-handed booksellers of London. It's kind uh, of a one-off Sabriel. fantasy. Yeah. Um, it was fine. It, it I don't know. It it feel like they there was so much world building. It almost seemed like a waste to just do one book out of it. But I don't know. Mm. It felt slightly tossed off. Like it's the Pretty successful author. This felt like maybe one of his more minor works, uh, mm. Garth Nix, but it was fine. Nix. Nix. Cool. Anyway, now that we've gotten that out of the way, let's talk about the main event Scott Pilgrim versus the world. 
Do you have an opening statement? Yeah, I'll ramble through one since I'm sure you'll come in and tightly and clean it up. Um, not a lot of movies can start off proudly proclaiming that the main character is an adult dating a high school girl and still retain a modicum of goodwill, but this movie does it, man. Um, if I were going to be simple, uh, I would just say this movie, which I, I do enjoy, I don't love, but I do like enjoy and I, I really enjoy parts of it. Um, should be considered a classic and not just a cult classic. It's a shame that this bombed. Um, Edgar Wright is everything that I always wanted Danny Boyle to be. Uh, his visual editing style is inventive. It's exciting. It's influenced by it enhances the story he tells. This movie is pretty wonderfully paced. It's controlled by its editing. Wright's a master of juxtaposition. Um, I really have a whole thing in here that I can go on a, on a rant about Danny Boyle. Um, I watched uh, a little bit uh, of Danny Boyle Wright. just catching strays. Yeah. Well, hey, I, at I, least I, he's not. Uh, what's his face? Guy Ritchie. A.K.A. the poor man's Danny Boyle. Sure. I feel like I got an ex- I got a feel like a mental rush from watching this movie that I wanted to get from train spotting the first time I watched it. I'll put it that way. Hmm. Um, but I watched a little bit of the Nerd Rider video talking about it, and there's a great line that he sums up um Edgar Wright's editing style, which is you're already engaging the next location before you realize that you've left the previous one, which I really enjoy. Um, it's an interesting exploration of the baggage that folks carry around with them, especially when it comes to love and how they see themselves, how they contextualize their own story and their part in it. Uh, in that regard, it, to me, it's almost like a companion piece of high fidelity, but with video game logic, um, you know, like a video game, the movie teaches you how to watch it, lays it out in shorthand. Um, it's interesting in just how it talks about how past relationships affect our current ones. Significant others can't help but be compared to find themselves, you know, compared to previous relationships. Narratives are created. People defined by this shit. Um, it's a reminder that there is no such thing as closure. Um, carries around a lot of pop culture and nerdy references in an interesting way. Um, it just reminded me how frustrated I was with lots of Ready Player One. Uh, Allison Pill is so good in this movie that I would vote for her in any office she might choose to run for. I think the Chris Evans Lucas Lee fight scene is a goddamn masterpiece. I read most of these graphic novels a few years ago before the movie came out. I enjoyed them. They weren't like, you know, precious to me. But I like the weird detail, for example, that Edgar Wright wouldn't let anyone blink in this movie. So it always looked like a comic book panel. The nice thing I can say about the creator of the comics, Brian Lee O'Malley, is um, his ex, Hope Larson's an incredible writer and artist, and I wish her work was better known. Um, I'm not saying the movie he's bad in it because he's not, but I, I kinda wish Michael Sarah was cast in something that is other than George Michael Bluth. Cause I look at this movie and I look at him and I think, can we do better? Um, I don't know. It's movies. Interesting. Cause it has, it has a manic pixie fuck boy, anti-hero lead. Um, you can see why a lot of characters are exasperated over him. It's hard to believe Michael Sarah is the elbow of a love triangle. And that, that's obviously science fiction, especially in a movie where George Michael Bluth makes Anne orgasm to death. Um, I'm skipping over my whole thing about, uh, Mar- or, uh Mary Elizabeth Winstead, even though I love her. Um, like I said, anyways, the acting, the camera work, the editing, the pacing of this movie are particularly weaponized. Um, it's ludicrous to me that Marvel was like, eh, you know what? Second thought, no thanks to Edgar Wright directing anything, let alone Ant-Man. And also Ramona Flowers used to be one of the rotten ones, and I liked her for that. That's the end of me. What do you got? I hope you say some for the podcast. I'm spent. Well, uh, I love this movie, even though this movie might have one of the biggest deltas between how much I love it versus how much I could completely take or leave the main character. Yep. Um, it's hard to avoid the fact that every other character in this movie is great. And there's Scott Pilgrim right in the center, just being a selfish fuckboy. boy. Um, yeah. I don't know. We can, we can get more into his character later, but 
Um, I don't know. My personal hot take about this movie, most people, when they think of this movie, like you'll see people talk about the uh, the video game references and how nostalgic it is. To me, that's not what does it for me. To me, it's the like indie rock music stuff that really hits a sweet spot. Like it's, I'm just right in that perfect age range for it. I can remember going to shitty bars with my you know, friends in college and like their lame bands that they had and like hanging out while they practice. Like it's all just super familiar to me. Um, I don't know. There's just all these little details they nail, like Todd adjusting the tuning key on his bass after the bass battle, just like little gestures they make that I feel like this is clearly made by people who are pretty familiar with the, the indie rock scene, the Canadian indie rock scene at that. Uh, I just kind of had the making fun of the co-opted corporate bands, the snobbery, also good um and that's all to say nothing of like the hyper stylization of this movie from the editing the fight scenes the effects it's just such a visual delight really want another movie like this from edgar wright and less baby driver which i don't think was very good Mm -mm. Mm -mm. all right well top moments i have 10 i could probably do 100 more also can you speak up a little you sound like you're far away sorry i have 12 is that cool uh all out okay I mean, do you want to come up with two more? Uh, sure. My no, number 12. How old are you, Scott? Like 28? <laughs> I love Kim. Uh, my number 12 is kind of a ridiculous moment, but it makes me laugh, though. I don't know why. Ramona says, I was just a little bi-curious. It didn't count. And Roxy says, well, honey, I'm a little bi-furious. I'm just a little bi-furious. <laughs> she was great in the uh, like the Zoom read-through they did of the script. Yeah, well, they all were pretty good. They were all pretty good, but like she was like fully into it, doing the voice and the posing and everything. Yeah, I was cool with it. And then when they cut back to Allison Pill and she has the uh, the drumsticks, I was like, "Fuck yeah, we got a party here." (laughs) I was here eleven. Let me find an eleven here. How about when uh, Gideon calls Scott after he's been dumped? Hmm. and is just kind of gloating about it and then it like cuts to um, um wallace because he, he's been listening on the phone and he goes what a perfect asshole <laughs> forget what i said earlier finish him i love the almost bond villain-esque move of is ramona with you i don't know are you with me <laughs> oh it's so evil also i'm gonna say r.i.p sean connor even though he's kind of a trash human being <laughs> Yeah, Not to speak of the dead, but come on, man. Sometimes you don't want to learn too much about your uh, or your, your phase. <laughs> like, like after Bond, I think my favorite ever Sean Connery moment is the uh, bit in my favorite ever, ever Simpsons episode where uh, comic book guys just like that's a rare picture of Sean Connery signed by Roger Moore. <laughs> yeah, uh, my number eleven is uh, is a little detail. Of Scott and Wallace in the kitchen, and Scott's like moping near the fridge while Wallace does dishes. Because you know Wallace does all the dishes. Mm-hmm. It's his place, but still. Scott wants to complain about everything sucks, so he spells it S-U-X in the fridge magnets. Oh, and what sucks? And he turns the eight sideways to make a lemon skate, the infinity symbol, and he's like, everything, he says. Everything sucks. Mm-hmm. Uh, my number 10. When Scott runs into Nyes after the uh, Katayanagi twins fight there, and mm-hmm. Anthem for a 17-year-old girl by the broken social scene is playing, and it's just, I don't know, it's like this great moment because he's he's about to go chase after uh ramona and then he runs into her and she's no longer dressed like kind of like hipster knives she's back to being regular old knives there and it's like oh hey it's some wreckage along the way that uh, you know reminder of what you've been doing yeah 
Uh, my number 10 is this is actually my favorite Michael Sarah line reading in the whole movie. When they're walking out of the uh, the final fight there, and he's just like, oh, "We have some incredible French toast with like bananas on it. You can get bacon on the side." And Nega Scott says, "Ooh, I'm liking that." Fucking Nega Scott. Hey, earlier she says, "Don't beat yourself up." Mm-hmm. Uh, what are we at? Number nine. Yeah. Uh, my number nine is at the beginning when Scott is letting Nyes into their band practice, and he says, "Here, let me get your coat," and he just tosses it on the floor as she walks past. Yeah, it's uh, it's I don't know. I gotta have so many thoughts about the character of Scott and whether or not he's exactly what he should be in this movie or if he should have been something different, you know. Mm. But it, mm. that's a, a real quick tip off to what kind of guy Scott is. Yeah, um, he's like he's the kind of uh, I don't know if douche splatters, but he's the kind of guy who walks between the douche drops. You know what I mean? Mm. Yeah, you imagine that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> My number nine is uh, Scott daydreaming his way through his day after seeing his first real glimpse of Ramona, like from Bing of Knives um, to the band practice to the party, et cetera. It's just a really fun bit of editing. All right. My number eight is Mm -hmm. uh, Stephen Stills, the lead guitarist, his kind of subtitled freak out while they're uh, watching Crash and the Boys play. Uh, Mm -hmm. It's just, I don't know. I, I really appreciate the mania of it. And it's like, you can tell what he's saying, but the subtitles certainly they help and they kind of make it feel more intense because they're coming so fast, you know? Mm-hmm. Oh, my number 13 moment would be Crash on the Boys, by the way. Um, number eight. <laughs> it's not a race. <laughs> <laughs> number eight, uh, heading into the grand finale, Scott marches up to like the Chaos Theater and the dude outside has like, got a lollipop and he holds up his hand. He's just like, you know, he's going to be some kind of like heavy henchman, whatever. And he's like, password. And Scott's like, whatever and the guy's like cool <laughs> that was a password <laughs> uh my number four you mentioned her earlier roxy richter here oh i'd love to postpone darling but i just cashed my last rain check what's that from my brain <laughs> <laughs> and then also just later the fight between her i'm, I'm cheating and putting that one into the fight between uh, roxy and scott and somewhat ramona it's just very cleverly done it's a league game mm-hmm uh, number seven, the the climax of the Chaos Theater. Almost, but also, if I were to cheat, almost everything of Jason Schwartzman. He really takes what Rob Lowe did in Wayne's World and elevates it. Um, but again, I think I think my my confusion the first time I watched this movie and that I learned in this scene finally was like, oh yeah, Scott is the anti-hero of the story. Like he's not he's not meant to be cool and falling flat. He's trash. Yeah, so what are we at, number six? Yep. Um, I love the way that we see Envy's poster and album art several times before her first entrance. And when we do, she's in the same exact outfit and pose as her, her poster and album art. Yeah. And then they're just like, okay, I'm jealous. You're jealous? I'm allowed. I love Brie Larson's movie. She's fantastic. Oh, she's the best. Um, and number six is... Ramona leads him to the mystical door that takes him back to her place. She makes tea, goes to get a blanket, sees him changing uh, with her shirt off to get in bed together. I talk about, like, I don't know, like great music. The Beechwood Sparks cover of Sade just really helps this scene in a lot of ways. I don't know. It, I, I, it's, it's messy. It's, it's young love. It, it shouldn't, I don't know, be as good to me as it is, but it is. All right. I may mention something from that a bit later here. Uh, my number five, though, 
is yeah. when Scott finally breaks up with Knives. Like I love the the transitions while a T Rex is playing of like the kind of split screens of Scott on the bus and Knives looking heartbroken and Scott on the bus again. And it kind of just like they keep moving left to right, and then it's like Knives fades out and Ramona fades in, uh, and Scott kind of like perks up like oh. Well, eh that's done with now I can be happy. Like it's really effective, like clever filmmaking to like get in, into the interiority of the character just through like montage juxtaposition. Well, but also it works the same way that a comic book panel or page would work um, or a succession of sequential art, but also it kind of reminds me of a video game in the sense that like, isn't the goal of Mario basically to go from the left side of the screen to the right side (laughs) of the screen. Uh, there's a true. lot of like left to right in this movie that it just works. Uh, number five, I just have to say I would adore any scene in any movie in which one of my favorite characters says these two lines of dialogue in succession, which is number one, Scott, if your life had a face, I would punch it. <laughs> Followed by, I mean, are you really happy or are you just really evil? Yes. <laughs> I mean, are you really happy or are you really evil? I'm hurt. Uh, my number four, the Lucas Lee fight. It's so good. I love the the spray bottle on his fist. Uh, I love the, he's good, right? Sometimes I let him do the wide shots when I feel like getting blazed back in my Winnie. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, number four, Scott's giving Ramona a hard time about what assholes all of her exes are as they're entering the, uh, the after party. And she points out he's not perfect either. So they pass knives. And she's like, what about you and knives? And he's like, nah, she's fine. She's a young Neil. And she's mature for her age. She's not fine. They pass Kim. What about you and Kim? And he's just like, uh, who can remember? It was long ago. She had freckles. And you get this like half second shot of like Allison Pill's face where you see that like this very human hurt side of her. Yeah. Kim's fine. It's just like cut to her. Oh, man. You ass. I mean, it's it's the character. So it's fine, but like at the same time, I look at this movie and I think I need more Allison Pill. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, maybe not in the newsroom though. Hmm. Uh, also, I need I need more of these incredible actresses not putting these terrible wigs. I didn't mind the wigs. Hmm. I'm a big fan of wigs. Uh, number three, when Beechwood Sparks is playing, and Scott has just barged in on Ramona and sees that she's undressing and covers his eyes. Uh, cause he's, he's looking for a blanket cause he's cold. And then just like when, with dark screen, Ramona says, here, does that help? And Scott says, yeah, it's very warm. What is that? And then he opens his eyes to see Ramona very close. And it's like this POV shot. And she's giving this little flirty smile to the camera. To me, it's just like, if you don't love her, then I guess you're just not going to be into her at all. Like to me, it's just like total swoon. Perfect, perfect, uh, encapsulation of that moment. Well, it's it's also you have this incredible actor who I feel like Mary Elizabeth Winstead just had a career that didn't know what to do with her. She does have weird roles, yeah, for sure. I mean, I mean, my God, I don't know how we went and saw a fucking Gemini Man in the theater because and why she's in it, yeah. That movie is so stupid, and she is so wasted. But like, she comes off very, you know, on you could say on one hand cold, on the other hand like disaffected and like removed. And like that's the time where it's like there is a real person here. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, number three. Uh, Ramona leaves, um, and Knives tells him to go after her because she's she's been fighting for her all along. And Scott's like, "What about you?" And she's like, "I'll be fine. I'm too cool for you anyway." <laughs> um, did you watch the deleted scene? Uh, no, I did not. Is that like an alternate 
ending. There's an alternate ending where he ends up with knives. Yeah. Also, this is a, um, if I remember correctly, there's some fantastic behind the scenes shit like on the DVD of this movie. Like this just seems like. I think there's like a, fun. maybe like a 10th anniversary version that came out or something recently. Yeah. It seemed like it was a fun movie to make. Yeah, for sure. I mean, all the stars in this movie that weren't big yet, you know, like Brie Larson, Chris Evans, well, Chris in Evans the background there, Anna Kendrick. Probably the hottest. I mean, I guess, but he was like in that weird like Dakota Fanning movie. It was called like was Push he, or something. Was he not? Um, well, he, he was in another teen movie. He was, was he not Johnny Storm yet? Yeah, but I mean, those movies were not that big, really. He was the best thing about them, but. I don't want your wife. Uh, where are we at? Number two? Yeah. The base battle. I love everything really about that whole section of the movie, but particularly the base battle, the way it starts with the uh, uh, kind of like the count in music. From I think it's like Virtua Fighter, mm-hmm. um, the bass riffs like uh, Todd really does just blow Scott Pilgrim completely away with his bass playing. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know, like I, I'd love to know like who they hired to play the bass for that because clearly they they had some licks. Um, everything about it, uh, the way he the ways Todd like pulls a pick out from under his wristband, like and just, all the details are perfect. Mm. Number two. You mentioned it. I don't know why it's in higher. It should be the Chris Evans fight scene. Um, with Chris Evans coming out of his trailer. I think it's the Universal theme starts yeah. playing as he does the neck crack and the bump mm-hmm. bump. Uh, we see him starting to film a scene. We realize he's talking to, not to his co-star, but Scott Pilgrim. The only thing keeping us apart is the two minutes going to take me to kick your ass. I'm talking to you, Scott Pilgrim. Yeah, I love that moment. But yeah, then uh, you know you're you're not bad reading of. Uh, uh, sometimes I'm do the wide shots. So I get blazed back in my Winnie, but also. The moment I fucking loves is when he knocks Scott down and he's standing next to Ramona. He's like, what's up? How's life? He seems nice. That and uh, when he's reading a text and he goes, that's actually hilarious. (laughs) (laughs) And then we have the, uh, what's the line? Mr. Lee, you're needed back on set. Yeah. Yeah. I was rooting for Lucas Lee in that scene though. It's hard not to. He's so fun. Kick, kick his ass. What I was amazed about in the uh, the live Zoom read through they did was that Chris Evans was doing the eyebrows the whole time. Uh, he did the his lines. It's pretty impressive. So in the behind the scenes stuff, they redo a take, um, and they stop because Edgar Wright asked Chris Evans, "When does your eyebrow go up in that scene?" I don't remember. And Evans is like, "They never went down." <laughs> <laughs> so he's like, "Well, let's do their take where they're you know at this level or whatever." It's pretty fun. Nice. Uh, my number one favorite moment in this movie is the clash of demon head playing black sheep. I love that song. I love metric. I love the performance. I love the, uh, that's Todd. Oh yeah. You know, Oh no. Like it's all perfect to me. Same. It's my number one. It's, mm-hmm. it's NB Adams taking the stage. That especially song her, fucking rules. Especially her taking the stage. Um, throwing, oh, off yeah. her, throwing off her jacket and everything. Yeah. I but mean, just seeing her feet the way, mm-hmm. the way. Yeah. I mean, and I know obviously the character of Emily Adams is is supposed to be designed around Emily Haynes. Mm-hmm, I never I totally, love. I never totally got that because she never really comes off. Like, Emily Haynes doesn't seem like as much of like a vamp. Yeah. Well, not in the period in which supposedly the inspiration yeah. would have happened. Um, like later, maybe like when they were doing like studio to or a even then, like I don't know. It's still, I don't know. But yeah, I mean, like. I can, you know, I'm not Canadian. I can trace my love of metric back to when Grow Up and Blow Away was in that fucking like Polaroid commercial, which was 
thankfully still before some other people found it. But like, yeah, that that like 30 seconds. I fucking love it. I saw it as like a music video promoting the movie before the movie came out. I was like, oh, I need to know what this is because I like Brie Larson and I like what she's doing here. Um, I love her version of Black Sheep as much as I love the regular version. It's yeah. good. I feel like she's a little pitchy, but um, it's still a pretty good version as well. I think it's actually finally available now on like a, a reissue of the soundtrack. Oh, good. But yeah, that, that whole scene rules. Anyway, let's move into a general discussion. I made a shit ton of notes for like the first half, and then I was like, holy shit, this podcast will last forever. I need to calm down. Mm, cool. But uh, yeah, we start with the Zelda music that they had special permission to use from Nintendo, which is pretty amazing that they got it. Mm. I mean, I really feel like this movie in general, like maybe one of the reasons it didn't do well is because I, I think you can enjoy it if you're not from the target demographic, but it's really very precisely aimed at people about five years on either side of us. Mm-hmm. Like there's like a 10 year window where it's like, like if you get Launchpad McQuack as a reference, this movie's for you. If you don't, you might still enjoy the movie, but it's not going to hit the same way. Yeah. Um, I just think it's funny when it's like, Hey, we're, we're adapting this beloved comic book series. We're getting all the right people, you know, the exception of the lead in the roles. It's got a great director who's going to bring it to life. It's like, it's very faithful in the ways it needs to be. And can we count on you shit pigs to show up? Nope. Yeah, really. This is like the ultimate, like kind of nerd, movie you know this is what ready player one kind of should have been mm. you know like a celebration of nerd culture but yeah imagine if i could write and made that movie like i mean i, I imagine 65... he, would, he would fix the ending for sure yeah. 65 million dollar uh budget made 47 million worldwide <laughs> hopefully it sold lots of blu-rays and has you know, good streaming rights yeah um yeah i mean this is a great ensemble too i mean on every level i mean you got even like bill Hader doing the uh the, the voice mm-hmm. um we start with scott pilgrim we're introduced right away to the kind of like little pop-up uh graphics and anim- animation you know like scott pilgrim 22 years old rating awesome um yeah uh he's telling his uh, bandmates they're all in their 20s along with him that he's not only dating a 17 year old he's bringing over to band practice the references here are wild because You've got Steven Stills and you've got like what's clearly a reference to Neil Young. Young, you're Neil, like, yeah. you're like halfway to a Crosby, Stills, Nash and Young. Mm-hmm. I, I just like, I don't know. It, it just gets me like, why isn't it like Kim Nash? <laughs> anyway, um, she's so good. Also, I just want to point out that her first screen credit on Wikipedia is a project in 1998 called You're Invited to Mary Kay and Ashley's Camp Out Party. Oh, and am I? she has a. She has a daughter named Wilder. Nice. Uh, so Scott here, as we're introduced to him, he is very kind of confident George Michael-y, I guess would be one way to describe him. Yeah. Um, you know, they're asking him like, oh, have you guys done anything? Uh, we've gone to talked about Yerbit Club. We even held hands. But then she got embarrassed. He's being very coy about the whole situation, even though he's 22 and dating a 17-year-old. Yeah. Uh, I never saw, other than the trailer for Youth and Revolt, but he seems like he's playing the suave alter ego character from that movie with a little bit of, um, because he plays Tobey Maguire in Molly's Game. Oh, that's really, okay, interesting. I guess I could see that. Which, uh, spoiler, if you don't know anything about Tobey Maguire's real life, he's a real piece of shit. Seems like it. Just got divorced recently. Good. 
Mm-hmm. Um, oh, I can't wait to see his weird divorce guide phase. Um, yeah, so I don't know. I respect that uh, other than Beck, who's 50 now, by the way. Mm-hmm. Um, Edgar Wright went right to Canada's Goodwill Ambassadors to Music, Broken Social Scene. Um, the only music maybe more comedian would be like Chantel Kravaziak, but cool. So uh, Knives geeks out over band practice. Um, and this is a classic. Scott, if your life had a face, I would punch it. Well, and the I almost put this in my top moments. The intro here where they start playing and the camera just keeps going back and back and back. And this mm. obviously they, they created a special you know set for this that's way too long. Um, but it's just super cool. And the, I, I love the way the they animate the music with just little like lines of sound coming off things that it makes it feel so much more lively than if you're just watching people play. Yeah. And very, again, very comic y and it just it feels perfect for the, the subject matter. And I believe that that effect is like how train spotting two ends, if I remember correctly. Hmm. Interesting. Uh, but the, you know, I'd take these weird, goofy Canadians over, like Scottish Skaglords in the day. Yeah, so Scott lives with Wallace, who is, let's go ahead and say it, the best Culkin? I think we can safely say that, yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, whenever I watch compilations, I've only ever watched two episodes of Succession. Whenever I watch, like, compilation videos of, like, the best burns from Succession, they're always this guy. Yeah, I've not seen that show, but I hear he's good on it. I'm almost tempted to watch it just for him. Um, we pan through the Wallace's apartment in a way very similar to Edward Norton's condo in Fight Club. Just letting us know what's owned by uh, Wallace, which is pretty much everything. The newspaper that Scott, uh, Wallace is reading has a big ad for Nico Case in it. I like that. They're just drenching it in that Canadian indie rock scene. Because this movie is a delicious, warm Tim Hortons donut of Canadianness. <laughs> but then when you cut into it, because it's from Toronto, sorry, it's filled with jelly that oozes out and the jelly is even more Canadianness. Yeah. Um, so Scott's sister, it's always nice when Anna Kendrick just like struts into a movie. I love the way she appears like doing this like hair toss. Like I feel like she almost always appears that way, like just like mm-hmm. tossing her hair and she's like 17 years old, scandal. Like she yeah. brings so much energy to it. It's great. Yeah. Um, this Scott sister, you know, knows because Wallace told her. Which, you know uh, me, <laughs> that Gossipy bitch. <laughs> their dynamic is wild. Just the way she says later, Wallace, not again. Yeah. I like um, how later on when he calls her and he goes, it's Scott. And she goes, what do you do now? And he goes, no, it's me. It's Scott. And she goes, what did you do now? Uh, but, you know, uh, they have an exchange that I've had a few times in my life, especially in the last few months, where she says, are you legitimately moving on or is this just you being insane? And he says, can I get back to you on that? Like, uh, he's like, it's a Catholic school too. She's like with the uniform and everything. He's like, yeah, the whole deal. Like he's so guilty. He knows what a piece of shit he is. But you got to give it up to Wallace. Cause right off the bat, when he, when he's dragged to meet her, you know, like after school, he takes her hands and says, you are too good for him. Yeah. I like how it's in split screen. And when she asks about she who will not be named, it just like cuts to a photo of the clash at demon head, like on the back of like a, a zine or something like yeah. the way they keep doing that is great. Um, so after, after he's picked her up from school, Oh boy. Um, Scott takes her on a date to an arcade. He's like dropping like his sexy banter, which is some like hot Pac-Man factoids. <laughs> yeah. This puck man takes Oh, real quick. Um, uh, I just noticed this on the, when it like, cuts to Envy's and uh, like the picture of her when uh, Anna Kendrick brings her up. Scott, mm-hmm. like he looks over, like it's like they have Michael Sarah, like he, his eye darts over, like he's looking at it. It's, it's subtle, but pretty brilliant. Yeah. 
Oh yeah, so this Puck Man. So this Ninja Dancing game is apparently real. Um, mm-hmm. This is DDR, I believe. Uh, it reminds me of the if you've ever seen the Black Mirror episode where Anthony Mackie plays the fighting game and like fucks his friend in it. Like the only I've heard like, of it, I did not see it. It's like the only ladder Black Mirror episode I've seen. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the date gets better. Um, he makes her pay for arcade games. What a shit heel. <laughs> he probably makes her pay for those pizza slices. Yeah, and he's 22 and she's 17. And he seems to not have a job. Yeah, he's, he's between mm-hmm. this and that. Um, they go to Goodwill. I want to say the way it's edited, like even though they, they go from Goodwill to a record store, doesn't it kind of seem like they're still in the Goodwill? When they're looking at the CDs, well, they they're doing these really sharp like match cuts where it seem it's like it, it's a cut to preserve continuity, but we're in a different location when they cut. Like it's it's really clever the way they do it. So like we go to like multiple locations, kind of coming in from the last location. So Scott goes on this totally self centered little jag about how he knows he rocks and the band is cool, but it'd be cool if cool people wore their cool T shirts. And it's like. Later, poor knives will like wear probably a homemade sex bomb mm-hmm. shirt. Um, she's she is so fucking good in this movie, even though right off the bat, she is like one of those oh honey characters. Well, she the, the key to her character is how committed she is to her bit, you know, like she's she's so naive, uh, and so kind of like eager to please, even though Scott's a complete heel. Well, and even in the 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 EW reunion read through, mm-hmm. she's she's bringing it at ten. Yeah, yeah. Um, I she should have been in so much more. She's so good in this. I love when yeah, she she, uh, when she asked uh, Julie Powers here where the Clash of Demon Head is. <laughs> have you tried the section mark the Clash of Demon Head? <laughs> Thank you, Julie. <laughs> well, I replies to Julie Powers. Uh, we're told twenty two has issues. Mm-hmm. Um, I am not a huge, as we've said before, Parks Rec fan, but I maintain that probably the smartest thing that show ever did was give the world Aubrey Plaza. That and the um, her role as the girl in the Father John Misty music video. Uh, yeah, so we see the CD for Clash, Clash Demon Head, um, which of course is a video game reference, but also it's the Clash is what it's mm. referencing. I think in the graphic novels... Featuring their songs, You Suck and Stop Calling Me. Yeah, I think in the graphic novel, their drummer, Lynette, has a bionic arm and can teleport. Though I Interesting. Don't that's at all in this movie. So Scott complains about Envy Adams as he goes for this walk of knives, shows her like the door to the basement apartment where he and Wallace live. And there's a part that's kind of intentionally, do you want to see the house where I grew up? And she's like, yeah. And he like turns around. He's like, there it is. It's across the street. Well, like uh, knives is like, Oh, Envy Adams is so cool. Do you read her blog? And he's just like, sorry, you were saying about me. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I mean, he's at the point too, where it's like, he can no longer blame his assholeness like on the breakup. Yeah, it's been like over a year. Especially after whatever happened with Lisa and the others, etc. I guess the um, the question, Scott, is this. Do you think, cause he's, because he's played by Michael Sarah and he's played in this kind of aw shucks, like absent-minded fuckboy way, uh-huh. does that ultimately help the movie because it kind of goes down easier? Or would this movie be a little sharper if he was a little bit more of a rascal? Great question. I don't know. I really. I go I back and forth on this all the time, whether or not you need him to be clueless so you don't absolutely 100% hate the, the movie that you're watching or I mean, if it dulls it a little. He's the same level of clueless in the graphic novel, but he also has more guile. Mm. And I feel like, I don't know, like, like I, I, I read the first few. I don't think I like when the actual Lisa character and all that stuff shows up. I don't think I got that far. But like I don't know, like he's less of a manic pixie fuckboy in 
in the graphic novel. Anyway, so he goes to this like fugue dream state where he's alone in the desert. Ramona rollerblades through her like steampunk goggles, and it's like you just buy that this is a subspace highway or a mm-hmm. subspace shortcut that she takes through his his subconscious. That's just what it is. Just the indie rock girl, her dreams, and of course the next day he sees Ramona at the library when he's getting like like high school books with uh knives there and he stares at her for you know roughly three minutes and knives is like um what's going on do you know her whoa, whoa, whoa you're skipping over one of the weirdest parts okay scott wakes up in bed of wallace because they sleep in one bed yeah, that's right and wallace's boyfriend other scott, <laughs> other scott. which i feel like has got to be the weirdest for other scott and all the other guys mm-hmm. you know who i want to see wallace date uh who is that dylan character from the perfectionist uh, like is, get him on the right path i don't know i feel like wallace is a little too good for that guy oh i feel like he will get him right into the shape um yeah so wallace knows scott pilgrim's schedule because as far as knives goes better than scott does uh, we find out knives is a raging bookaholic and scott is let's put it this way i don't think he's much of a reader doesn't seem like it no um yeah so ramona shows up like you said he does this thing it's like a combo of like deer in the headlights but also eye fucking yeah well on, on the soundtrack at this point we're just we just keep getting this like bass note over and over again almost like percussion and then i love how like they do another one of those like magical like match cuts where it's like uh steven stills comes into the scene and then we suddenly cut to them and they're in the the band practice and he's like you played one note that entire song because and, and it's like the note is what he's been playing, that note that you've been hearing the whole time. Like I said, uh, the line from the Nerdwriter's song, you're in a new environment before you even realize yeah. you've left the last one. So it's like, with Julie's- oh, just real quick. Uh, when, when he says that, you've been playing one note the whole time. Scott goes, my hand slips. And Kim goes, is your girlfriend distracting you? And Scott's like, my girlfriend? Like, you forgot about her? And then like cuts the knives. And she's like, I'll be quiet. Yeah, yeah. Poor knives. Um, oh, honey. Yeah, so Scott keeps Adrian like his day through Ramona. They're going to go to Julie's party. Julie used to date Steven. She knows people. Um, why go? And as Kim says, at least it'll give us something to complain about. <laughs> Been there. Um, so also, Julie's in her 20s. She's got like a shit ton of jobs. That checks out. Mm-hmm. She has a massive fucking house. I mean, is this all her house? Or is she like a roommate here or someone? Yeah, one wonders. So he, there's stairs. Yeah. <laughs> so we meet Kom- Komu, Komu. Uh, who knows everyone. Como, who is Robbie from New Girl and also Will from uh, Veep. Uh, Scott moves to the party while one of my favorite Frank Black songs plays. Well, this might also be Black Francis at this point. Well, you get the, the good joke where he's like, hey, do you know this girl? And he like holds up a, just this like scribble of Ramona. It's like, there's no way anyone could identify who that is. And Como's like, oh, yeah, it's Ramona Flowers. <laughs> well, but I don't know if the joke has helped or hindered by the fact that everyone at this fucking party knows this girl who's mm-hmm. so antisocial. Yeah, she's got some issues, or no, she's got some battle scars, man. Yeah, yeah, that guy. Um, mm-hmm. so he meets Ramona while who's holding up the wall by herself. He tries to spit some of his, you know, A plus Pac Man game, and, it's and she's just like, "Great, not fine at all." Also, where's the mod called Fuck Man? Because yeah. in which you're a little dude going around to either trying to fuck a ghost or not get fucked by a ghost. I want that game. Oh, he just kind of drifts away. He's like, "I'm gonna go now," and she's like, "Good." Yeah. And we get um, so uh, Stephen Stills uh, is talking to Julie there. It seems like he's like trying to get back with her or something. He's kind of like putting his arm around her, and he's like, "Scott's morning period is officially over. He's da- totally dating a high schooler." And Julie says, "Dating a high schooler is the morning period." One chick says, 
of Ramona in this montage. She's American and kicks all kinds of ass. Mm -hmm. I want to know more about the girl who says that. Also, uh, one of the chicks who says something is Ingrid Haas, who I've had a crush on since some like AT&T commercial she was in. Mm. Uh, there's a lot of like... AT&T commercials are coming up big in this episode. Apparently. Are they? You mentioned another one, I think, earlier. I mentioned a Polaroid Maybe commercial. A Polaroid commercial. Okay. okay. Metric. Get it together. Tough yeah, enough, sure. son. Mm -hmm. Tighten it up. Um, there's a lot of like, uh, what's that one podcast you listen to where they call it That Guy? There's a lot of That Guys in this movie. Uh, Rewatchables. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, They didn't Ari invent Ramona. that. That's like a, there's like a website, like a That Guy website long ago. Well, there's a lot of that guys. Yeah. Oh, yeah. The one, the one burnout who's just like, she got some battle scars, bro. How does this guy know? Yeah, I know. So yeah, like Julie forbids Scott from Daniel Ramona because she's so cool, the coolest girl at her party. I think this is where little... she's like, "What about the time he dumped Kim?" And it just like cuts to her. It's like, yeah. oof. What did you think about the um, like the occasional like title text we'll get on screen? Like this one girl appears as he like sidles in next to Ramona. There, it's a Fraser esque. Hmm. I don't know. I, I can't. I was trying to remember if that was like from the comics because it, sometimes it's like it's based off of text mm -hmm. okay or like like dialogue and sometimes it's not so i, I, I enjoy it it's it's so like endlessly visually inventive well and also he he knows how to put it on certain visuals like mm -hmm. when it's a much wider shot for example uh so back at his place wallace comes home drunk has to hear about scott's infatuation for mona i this suggests... also almost made my top moments the move he makes where he like drops his keys and then hits him with one hand and, and like right into the back of scott's head it's great doesn't he throw the keys at his face? Well, he, no, I think he hits him in the back of the head is what it is. So apparently they had to do a lot of takes of that. Yeah. <laughs> and I think they're real keys. Um, so like, he suggests that Scott break up his fake high school girlfriend, falls asleep texting Anna Kendrick, who calls to reinforce it. Like, uh, he's like, oh, I think I, I, this girl is like the girl of my dreams. Like, you should definitely date up with your, or break up with your fake high school girlfriend. So the next morning, uh, this is where I find Scott Pilgrim I mean, again, Manic Pixie Fuckboy. This is where I find him insufferably infuriating. Has he never gotten a goddamn email before? Yeah, he's a little twee for sure. Also, like, the, the scene where he calls, or I'm not sure who calls who, but like uh, his sister is like still at work. Like, what time is it? Like, Scott was asleep. Yeah, good point. <laughs> but I like how he's like, don't you have a job to do? And she's like, you're right. I should send out a max text about this. <laughs> So, yeah, Scott's never got an email before. He doesn't know the website for Amazon.ca, um, which I feel like they had to really hit home for you because it's, it's different. In that Canada. feels like one of those jokes that, I don't know, works better on the page. It's just yeah, not maybe. that great. I feel like it's a joke that I don't find that impressive, but I feel like would get the big laugh in a theater for some reason. Well, I also kind of wonder, too, if they, I don't I don't remember how we were referring to Amazon back in 2010. I imagine we were just saying Amazon. Yeah. But, uh, I mean, it's it's not Amazon.com in, in Canada. So, anyway. He gets an email from Matthew Patel, the first evil ex-boyfriend, letting him know that they're going to fight to the death, which Scott ignores because it's boring. And then he sits, after he's ordered this package, because Ramona's a, a delivery person for Amazon, he's going to sit at the door like a fucking poodle waiting for this package. Until the door rings and attack hug. It's yeah, nice. Knives. She's like, it's so painful because she's like even more into him now. And he's even less into it. Like. She's just going on and on at the record store and the Goodwill, and he's, Whoa. like, not really listening. You were supposed to be up at the bus stop a half an hour ago? Yeah. <laughs> Ouch. Ouch. Oh, she's like, oh, you were supposed to meet me at the bus stop a half hour ago. Ha ha. I'm not mad. And it's like, you really should be mad. There's a guy dressed like a, like a Grim Reaper at the CD store. Um, 
So he's kind of like sleepwalking his way through the usual date activities, like listening to her drama from high school he doesn't care about, not really paying attention during the dance fight video game with her. Um, we get a glimpse at the Nega Ninja, um, which I think the CinemaSins video called Punch Shadowing. Mm. Uh, he's like, I can never beat this guy. And she's like, yeah, don't beat yourself up about it. So again, meta One, moment, you know, his player dies. And the thing comes up with continue. It's like, well, Scott. And she's like, do you think we should? And he's just like, eh. and then it just cuts to you band practice. And you just see the, the band members playing and Steven's talking about how they got a show. And you're like, well, did he break up with Nice? And then no, Nice like jumps into the scene. She's like their biggest fan now. She's totally excited. Way more excited for this new gig than Scott is. Mm-hmm. A gig fucking, is a gig because a gig is a gig. It's fucking dog of two bones here. Yeah. If, so um, if we win, it won't just be nice wearing sex bomb shirts. It'll be the cool kids too. Yeah. Um, so round one of this big battle of the band showcase, the winner gets a record deal with G Man Graves, which is not a cool name. They really uh foreshadow Gideon quite a lot in this. They they really get away with making references to like Todd or Gideon, and you don't immediately think you don't immediately make that connection, you know. There has never in, in real life ever been a Gideon. N- at all? No one has ever like, here's my I, husband, I, That's Gideon. the next book I'm going to be reading, something called Gideon the Ninth. I think it's about like lesbian space witches. That's a good book. Mm. Um, but also, it's a book. It's not a real person that you can meet. Okay. That you know. Uh, we'll see. Isn't it a sequel? I had no idea. Eroticus told me to read it. Hmm, cool. Um, so Scott goes and pees. We see the video game P-Bar. Which, he pees fast. That is an incredibly fast piss. That is a prostate issue, Am I just, my friend. No, I think that's a, the opposite of a prostate issue. I think his, his prostate is nice and healthy. We're just old. <laughs> Sometimes I just sit there for 20 minutes complaining about just, the government, waiting for something to come imagine out. imagine the fucking water pressure he's pumping out, man. Ah, uh, I don't want to think about Michael Sarah's dick when I own Don't you, though? Not I, just not the fucking fire hose he's got. You think he's got a big hog? I'm not saying it's big. I'm just the powerful, you know? Powerful hog? Mm-hmm. Maybe that explains some things. Um, I, I don't know. During quarantine, I watched a, a interview. Hog. No, I watched an interview of his hog. It was um, more impressive than he is. Mm. No, I watched an interview of Mitchell Hurwitz talking about the casting of Arrest Development. Mm-hmm. And so they bring in Michael Sarah. They're watching the tape of Michael Sarah, And all the other producers are like, I don't want this kid. He's not doing anything. And Mitchell Hurwitz is like, you might be right. But he might be doing something incredible. I'm. Maybe I want to give him another callback. Yeah. I want to give another callback because I don't know what he's doing. <laughs> <laughs> um, so Scott, you know, steps out of the bathroom to the dream sequence. I fucking love how practical this is. I don't know if the set's like rotating. I mean, they probably just like moved in a background behind it or something. You know, it's a pretty simple effect, but it's good. Yeah. Um, so Ramona's like in his high school, like delivering a package to his door. He wakes up there. She is. He's asking her out in. This is uncomfortable like he's desperately asking it's her uncomfortable but it's, it's played so twee that it doesn't feel creepy even though i mean it's it's one of those like movie things where it's like don't do this in real life Ooh, yeah but like just basically like if you sign for the package i'll go out with you he does have a, a fun line here like, i i find i don't usually enjoy scott's lines but i do like this one where he's like oh we met at the party the other day and ramona goes were you the pac-man guy and scott goes no not even that was some total ass i was the other guy yeah, yeah. Um, I just don't I don't believe that she would have anything to do with this guy based on this scene. I mean, I I think part of it's the Michael Sarah-ness of it all. But mm-hmm. like I, I feel like he's supposed to be 
a, a little bit of a piece. Sure. Mm-hmm. He's just like, wait, never mind my Pac-Man material. Have I told you how powerful my hog is? Mm-hmm. It's like a little baby fire hose. Um, it's like a baby's arm making a fist, but powerful. Uh, so he meets her later in public as she's standing on some stairs. I think the implication is that he's late to the date. Yeah, because he thought she would be too. This scene is very like much Eternal Sunshine vibes, like between her hair and just like the white snow on the ground. Mm-hmm. So she says she ended up in Toronto, escape from New York. She got a job. Gideon always said that Toronto was a great city. Um, he picks up on the Gideon reference, asks if Gideon's an ex. She eventually leads him to the mystical door that takes him back to her place, where. They're making tea, um, and you know she doesn't shut the door to go change and get a blanket from the bed. Also, another one of my uh, favorite moments uh, that I didn't list was when she lists all her kinds of tea. It's very impressive yeah. the way she like speed reads, like constant comet and all the other ones. Yeah, hey, also uh, big ups for that sleepy time. Mm-hmm. It's good stuff. Um, it's like the only tea I drink now. Oh, because all my other teas have caffeine, and I, I've been I've been off it. Oh, good for you. Yeah, well, I guess. I mean, I feel like shit, but cool. Um, How how long have you been off caffeine? I don't know, a couple months. Oh, you shouldn't be feeling the effects of it anymore. So I'm just feeling like shit like normal? Mm -hmm. So she decides not to have sex so he can stay over, though she reserves her right to change her mind about sex. Um, Because either way, though... He's fine cuddling. He's enjoying himself, I think. Yeah, I mean... Which is nice. It's the only admirable thing about him because his face is Scott Pilgrim's a bit of a hoe bag. Um, yeah, he's he's a man hoe for sure. Uh, so next morning she's leaving. He's for never work. aggressive about it though. No, because he just dances between the douche drops. Mm-hmm. Um, he asks her to come to his battle of the band thing tonight. He gets her number. There's of course seven X's on that thing. Curl number. Um, yeah, the show is at a club called. I love it. We used to just see the sign Rocket. Also, fun fact, this, this place, place is, a, is toilet. a toilet. I love that. It's like the rare filmmaker fourth wall break. Like, I just, I just love for no reason. That's just there as a title card. Fun fact, this place is a toilet. But again, this is why I, I got weird flashback vibes to Train Spotting. Have you ever seen Train Spotting? I've seen like half of it. And I was just Did like, you get to eh. the, the fucking toilet part? I think, I think I got that far, yeah. Cool. But I mean, it's um, something about the way it's presented here. It feels so much more tongue-in-cheek and, and playful. It's it's got a I don't know like it's a breath of fresh air in the way that if you could divorce some of the uh, the dudeness from it that Fight Club had mm-hmm. you know what I mean yeah where you just like you feel like fucking exhilarated watching it um, so Scott's like thrilled that Ramona actually came he's like love struck by her presence Anna Kendrick's there along with Wallace and her, and, uh, her boyfriend Jimmy who Wallace is immediately into because he likes dudes of glasses yeah all the the significant glances there are great and they keep panning to each other. And then, oh, there's knives, and she like leaps at him and kisses him full on the lips, and she's cut her hair short. Yeah, and Ron is just like raised eyebrows, like, huh, who's this? And Scott's like, ah, I'm gonna run away now. I mean, if if he was just dating, quote unquote, dating knives. And like just dating Ramona, and it was like you know, while not spelled out, like kind of understood that there's not an exclusivity. That'd be one thing, but it's like... Scott's not the kind of guy to DTR, though. He just but, but leaves that open. I feel like it's pretty obvious that Knives considers him her boyfriend. For sure, yeah. And he's not as forthcoming about a lot of things with Ramona. I mean, he's definitely wronging Ramona less. 
I guess so. Yeah, but I mean, he's 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 just hoping that he will never have to address it. He's avoiding the awkwardness and just hoping he can like skate through it, basically. Like fucking like fucking George Costanza here, hoping that like you know one of them will will lick poisoned yeah. uh, envelopes and the other will be more. It's almost like he's he's hoping that knives will lose interest in him without him having to do anything about it. So then Remember, he'll uh, yeah the rift. Yeah, the rift. Our mm-hmm. buddy Anthony. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. God, what a trash bag. Um. Yeah, so Dog of Two Bones here. So Crash and the boys are up. Uh, Did you get a look at the um, the uh, drawings that, that they've made? Like, they're like playbooks on this guy. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. It's like adorable mop top. Dave's expression. Important. Yeah. In my opinion, this guy's not a genius, but I could be wrong. I think you might be wrong. So Sex and Bomb are, are in their green room freaking out. Scott's like peeking out, seeing that Ramona and Knives are sitting together. Um, Crash and the boys are playing. This is, uh, this is Alec from uh, Continuum. Yes. I'm crashed. Eric He's with the boys. Mm-hmm. Yeah. One of the boys is 10 year old little like girl drummer. I love that. <laughs> is I love that girl boy pouch. too? Yes. <laughs> so the song is called, I'm so sad. So very, very sad. So Wallace heckles him from the balcony. They call him out the next song. It's called, we hate you. Please die. I love the look of rage on Kim's face when she goes, they have a girl drummer. Well, then later when Kim's playing, that girl is just like staring daggers yeah. at her. <laughs> this is a movie so, filled with little just like throwaway details in the background like that like it really rewards a rewatch because there, there's so much happening in every frame oh did you see that later that crash and the boys get killed they get vaporized by, yeah that's why they win this battle of bands here so meanwhile stacy is just stirring some shit because hell yeah she is um she asks ramona how she knows scott and she says that they're just friends so then she asks knives about I get how confused. she confused. yes so many friends yeah, so the the story is basically that she and her mom were on the bus and there was Scott, which that's a deleted scene. Mm. <laughs> but I think it's so much better with just the is that the end of the story? <laughs> this is um, Steven Sills freaking out about never getting to play the Chaos Theater and all that. Yeah, so Sex Bomb starts playing. Nia's gets so excited that she passes out. Um, her friend, whose name I forget's with her. Um, oh, I think I have she, it in my uh, rankings, yeah. It's in Wikipedia. Mm. Um but yeah, so you have even the friend in your rankings? I, I had 20 people in the rankings. Son of a bitch. Okay. But she passes out like this is the fucking Beatles at Shea Stadium. Uh, we see young Neil is just like singing along with the songs. Like he's kind of he half roadie, doesn't, half professional bitch boy. Exactly. He doesn't totally know the lyrics, but he kind of does. Like, I don't know. I feel like this is this is someone you meet when you, uh, you hang around a bunch of like people in bands in your early 20s. Remember in the '90s, the ska thing was like we have a we have, a we have the guy who the just band. dances, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, which is the second most useless thing, or maybe first? I don't know. After the DJ, Scott does have another kind of cool moment here uh, at the beginning of the Matthew Patel fight, where he like he pulls the uh, cord out of his base and then throws it for Young Neil to catch. It's a pretty slick move. Yeah. Also, Wallace is broadcasting the most intense fuck eyes at Jimmy <laughs> that I've ever seen. So yeah, um, Wallace is like working in. his mojo this whole time here. He's kind of like grabbing his arm and kind of giving it a squeeze here and there. Oh, Full court Wallace press. Has, Wallace has a ton of fucking game. Mm-hmm. He's he's a fucking sexual conquistador in this movie. Uh, Matthew Patel comes flying in and he's like, "Consider our fight begun." I like that he just interrupts the song like "Fuck Your Battle of Bands." Also, Matthew Patel. I was today years old when I realized that this actor Satya Baba was shivering on New Girl. Also. Also, he went to Yale and he was in Skull and Bones. There you go. Wow. Okay. Um, yeah, so- I enjoy this character. There are a couple moments where I do feel like it gets kind of stereotypically um, 
offensive, I guess, you know, like they have him doing like, like the, the Apu voice basically. Um, and I, 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 that's always bothered me, but I was like, I never knew quite how the actor felt about it. And then watching the, uh, the live read through, he skips that line. He rolls his eyes at that part. So it's clear he did not like that line. So I, I wish yeah. that wasn't in the movie. Yeah, I mean, this whole, like, goth Bollywood anime thing, it's, it's quite They're going for, like, a Bollywood thing, which somewhat works. But, yeah, I, I feel like they, they lean into some cultural stereotypes there. Mm-hmm. Also, do you look at this guy and do you get a pirate vibe? I mean, it's just he's wearing, like, a, a what is that, a cricket shirt, right? Yeah, I don't get With, a like, the, the collar pops. Yeah, I don't get a pirate vibe at all, really. Is pirate the name of a cricket team? Are there cricket teams? Uh, I guess there are teams. I don't know. Is it like uh, like like the Brighton Pirates or whatever? Um, so like Matthew introduces himself as Ramona's first evil ex, and Scott's like, "Wait, we're fighting over Ramona," and he's like, "Didn't you get my email explaining the situation?" We get the little like, mm-hmm. flashback, uh, like animation, you know, story of how Ramona and Matthew Patel met. I love that it rhymes all the way up to uh, afterwards when <laughs> when Matthew Patel says, "You'll pay for this, flowers." Also, well, I, I'm it's it's a cool detail to bring in Brian Lee O'Malley to do the animated flashbacks. Mm-hmm. So he's like the seventh grade boyfriend. But also her school he's the only non white non jock. Um, I mean I guess it depends on where she lives, you know. I I was like I could believe I like it in to, some parts of the country for sure. I was like trying to do the math on that. I was like, does that check out? That's wild. Um yeah, so uh, Matthew Patel can shoot fireballs. He has demon hipster ghost chicks as backup. Um, this is when Crash and the Boys get killed with <laughs> fireball. So he, Scott finally locks Matthew out, and of course he evaporates into coins like in a video game. Yeah, $2.40 Canadian. Yeah. Um, so Ramona pieces out. We see that Wallace is making out with Jimmy and Stacy's like, Wallace, not again. Well, wasn't it something where like Ramona's like, oh, it's nice meeting your your uh uh, your two gay friends, or something like, or your your gay friend, or something like that. And she's like, "What, Wallace?" So Ramon takes Scott by the hand. They get the fuck out of there. Um, Sex with Bomber declared the winners around one. Knives comes in or comes two and like shrieks of glee that her band won. Miss completely all the stuff about Ramona. <laughs> I feel like she's out way past her curfew too. Poor thing. Yeah. Uh, so on the bus, Ramona lets Scott know they're going to date. He may have to defeat her seven evil exes. Which again, we're getting a whole semantics thing. Because he'll keep saying boyfriend, keep clarifying exes. <laughs> also, he keeps saying fight. She keeps saying defeat. Um, so does every guy have to defeat? So does every guy have to fight and or defeat her seven evil exes? Like, is there not like a squad of one night stands or like a battalion of Tinder matches? I mean, this was before Tinder, so yeah, I don't know. Oh, good. But point. seemingly, What's- she's just coming from Gideon. It seems like. Like I don't. I don't. It's unclear if there's anyone in between. You know. When do you think he puts the chip in? Um. I don't know. I think the I feel like the chip's kind of a metaphor. Ooh. That's deep. Mm-hmm. You're deep. Um, so he's like, who boy, we're dating. And if they're dating, that means they can make out what they start doing. But do they go fuck? No, they do not. Because uh, uh, it doesn't this is this the Seinfeld bit? Yeah. So it, yeah. it does like the Seinfeld music and the laugh track as uh, Scott enters and he's dancing around super happy. And he like changes shirts in like two seconds. Also, they have that one piece of art on the wall. Oh, yeah. You tweeted about that. I, it cracks me up. It's, it's The Kiss, and it's by photographer Tanya Chalkin, which I feel like it was... Uh, I'm trying to remember. What's the Buffy joke about... Uh, it's either Klimt or something else. Oh, uh, Monet. Room. Yeah, or Manet. Yeah. yeah. 
Um, but I feel like the kiss is probably in a lot of people's dorm rooms too. Um, well, it's issues his, uh, one of his famous ultimatums. You have to break up with knives or I'll tell Ramona. Yeah. So we see that Jimmy's in the bathroom because he slept over with, with Wallace the night before. But he gets um, classic Scott line, double standard. And Wallace goes, I didn't make up the gay rule book. Take it up with the Rachi's ghost. Yeah. So Wallace is going to go watch a Lucas Lee marathon. Uh, we get a brief backstory on Lucas Lee. He was a pretty good skater, became a pretty good actor, uh, foreshadowing because he's an evil ex. Um, he's watching it on Spike, LOL. Yes. Well, is that even a network still? I had no idea. Yeah, is cable still exist? I don't know. I stopped watching mm-hmm. a long time ago. I love the bit where they keep talking about Lucas Lee, and then Wallace is just like, forget about Lucas Lee. He's not important right now. But it's like, it's such obvious foreshadowing to what's to come. It's like, it almost feels like a, a fourth wall break in itself. There's a lot of also just like numeric references yeah. embedded visually. Number two. Um, so Scott runs in the knives. Uh, they go to Goodwill. They see the, the Clash of Demon Headwood playing in their town at some point. We hear a little bit of Black Sheep playing in the background here. Um, knives invite Scott over for dinner. It's her birthday dinner. He pussyfoots around breaking up with her. And he makes he it racial. He just does a shitty racial comment. Yeah, like, oh, your parents Oh, for Chinese like- food? Yeah. Um, yeah. She tells him that she's in love. On the way, like, oh. The way it animates out on screen is this, like, fog that he has to wave away. Yeah, and he's like, oh, because I was thinking we should break up. And then we had the, the moment I was talking about earlier where he feels sad on the bus for a little while, but then he starts thinking about Ramona, Then he's happy, and then it's band practice, and he's just like, they're like, where's Nice coming? Uh, is she not coming tonight? And he goes, oh, we broke up. Hey, check it out. I learned the baseline for Final Fantasy too, and he just starts playing it like super happy, and they're all just staring at him like, you ass. Kim says, Scott, you are the salt, salt of, of the earth. earth. He's like, oh, thanks. And she's like, I meant scum of the earth. Oh, thanks. <laughs> He's completely oblivious. So no girlfriend talk at practice. They need to start the, the play together. And ding dong, Ramona shows up. She's got blue hair now. And she's like, relax, dude. I change it every week and a half. Scott can't handle it. She's too spontaneous. And impetuous. Mm-hmm. Um, so he bounces, blows off practice, saying that Neil can play his parts. Shitty. Um, so Walsh's place, you know, Ramona takes off her boots. Goes good, to the good shot of just like the, the boot coming off as they're both staring at her. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Scott's like sullen complains to Walsh. Oh, he's supposed to be making dinner. Um, making garlic bread. <laughs> yeah. Complains to Walsh that Ramona changed her hair. She's fickle and impulsive. Um, I'm amazed that he knows how to make garlic bread, to be honest. I feel with like you. this is the one thing he knows how to make. Like he learned how to make garlic bread. And so that's all he knows to make. I'm like shocked that it's not like ramen. Mm <laughs> hmm. Um, so Wallace is leaving to go stalk Lucas Lee at some castle nearby where he's filming. Uh, Scott's like freaking out. And Wallace says, you know, if slash when you strike out in the next hour, you can come join me at the castle. <laughs> you get the classic uh, bread makes you fat line here. You know, carbs. Mm-hmm. Uh, so later they're making out. She points out his hair has gotten pretty shaggy and he freaks out because his last real haircut was like three hours before his last breakup. We hear a little bit how more how Envy used to be Nat when he knew her. He says so, it was mutual. <laughs> the narrator's like, it wasn't. It was brutal. She dumped yeah. him. Yeah. Uh, also, yeah. he, he plays Ramona, the, the Ramona song here, which okay, is yeah. basically just saying Ramona over and over again on my mind. And she's like, oh, I can't wait to hear when you when you finish it. And he's like, finished? Yeah. Which we'll hear that Beck version. Or, or mm-hmm. Do we hear the Beck version later in the movie? I think it kind of plays over the end. But yeah, they're okay. like, they're making out again here, but then he freaks out about his hair. And so when Scott freaks about his hair, because of uh, the haircut he got before he got dumped. He has to go put on this like stupid hat to cover his hair. And then he has to demand that they go for a walk outside in the cold to justify wearing the hat. Yeah. And then so she's like, to- did we uh, just come out here because he didn't want to take that hat off? Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. 
Um, so they go to the castle where the movie's being filmed. They see Lucas Lee coming out of his trailer, and Ramona freaks out because, oh shit, this is her ex. Uh, oh yeah she's like oh oh um there's a lot of little subtle in jokes here about how like there there's like a a fake skyline that's new york but they're filming in toronto which is uh, something that often happens in toronto yeah so she gives us the download that like lucas used to follow her around in ninth grade there's a lot of drama so this is when we see him starting to film the scene and we realize that he's like not talking to the co-star, but to Scott Pilgrim, the only thing keeping us apart. Yeah. He's so good. At this. He just walks over to Scott Pilgrim and like Scott's in the middle of saying something. He just punches them. And then Scott just like, like just comes right back and it's like, can I get your autograph? Yeah. What's up? How's life? He seems nice. So you so pretty they- good skater. More than pretty good. I say got my own skate brand. Uh, they're really playing with like the trappings of an actor on set. Mm-hmm. I mean, at one point, Scott thinks he's talking to Lucas and being ignored, but it's the double. <laughs> and then we get the stunt team who kicked the shit out of Scott. It's a pretty, uh, like, all their fights are really inventive. Like, really, I'm trying to think the most normal ones are probably, like, Scott versus Matthew and maybe Scott versus Gideon to some extent. Like, the rest of them always have, like, a pretty cool wrinkle to them where it's not just a straight face-off. Well, I'm glad that they that they um, they changed the twins to what it is because i think in the comic it's like just like a straight physical fight oh it's it's way better as like a musical fight yeah yeah i mean whatever the rules are somewhat broken where like his band can fight them but whatever mm-hmm. um also lucas lee you know little details again he points of two fingers as opposed to matthew patel who points of one um he's got the number two on tattooed on his neck there's a two on his car yeah yeah somehow scott defeats him and that's in the or the seats the stunt team mr lee you're needed back on set. Uh, but he's still getting his ass kicked by uh, Lucas Lee. The fight choreography is pretty good. I mean, I'm sure some of this are stunt people, but the way it's all cut together and like anime style with lots of little like, you know, action like animation around them. Like it's pretty cool. Imagine that you're your typical Canadian Toronto, you know, person mm-hmm. and you're watching a, a Hollywood movie being filmed in your local town. And you're like, oh, hey, that's cool. The lead actor is beating the shit out of a local. <laughs> that's what I like to see. But then Go Canada. Scott gets one up on him by daring him to uh, do grind down uh, like a bunch of like icy stairs. And that, uh, because girls are watching. Thingy. Yeah, because yeah. girls are watching. He has to do it. And then he just blows up when he hits the bottom. <laughs> blows up into well, a bunch of quarters. I love this a little bit. Somebody get me my board. And like Wall shows up with it. And he's like, hi, big fan. Why wouldn't you be? <laughs> And I love they're just like, like, and that's a wrap. And everyone just like goes home. Yeah. <laughs> okay. The star of this movie just exploded into coins. Yeah. Uh, in the comic book, supposedly they all respawn back at home. Mm, um, but so Ramona, Ramona's bailed. The next day, Scott's like leaving her voicemails while Wallace is cleaning the kitchen, which I like the implication. He's cleaning up after Scott. I think Scott, Scott's move is that he soaks dishes. That's what okay. he contributes to it. He puts them all in the sink. Also, real quick, it's you mentioned the uh, something. the comic. Are video games a big part of the comic too? Yeah. Okay. Interesting. I, I was I was curious about that. Yeah. I mean, it's it's like the first few seasons of Game of Thrones. Mm-hmm. It's it's pretty smart about what it adapts mm-hmm. and how how it brings it from one medium to the other. So again, we see um, the phone like number, you know, the paper remote written the phone for Scott. The seven X's. The kisses are actually X's. As Walls explaining it to him. Um, this is when Wallace gives Scott to pep talk. He needs to break out the L word, not lesbians. Um, if he cares something, he needs to fight for it. And he gets a phone oh. call from Envy. Well, also, 
also i need you to move out yeah also i need you to move out so kind of hoping this works out <laughs> kind of begging her to call you back so i have to evict you and feel all guilty and shit then the phone rings it is not ramona it's envy and i like the, the way he answers he goes envy and then the background walls goes oh shit <laughs> yeah been maybe, a while maybe just here, i think get these like silhouettes with just her mouth and i like the way it, it pans around behind scott and suddenly the clash demon head posters there and these kind of like dorky photo booth photos of the two of them like younger mm. and it's like oh yeah. look she seems like happy and not just smoldering once upon a time well she's like talking like a like a femme fatale marilyn monroe yeah what's uh, her name i'm not telling that ramona and the way she goes oh what do you know her and she's like what no and she like, looks away like their acting is so funny yeah so knife shows up looking for scott wallace is just to cover scott dives out a window oh he just left if you watch behind the scenes stuff like um he really like an actor or a stunt guy really does jump out of the window just awesome. like that it's like it looks so i don't know like uncomfortable or on the way he like he, like he tilts his head as scott reaches back in to get his coat yeah yeah but nice because because then like he's behind her as he goes around <laughs> yeah she's her. like really so as he walks through the snowy Canadian streets, he's haunted by, you know, voiceovers of his troubles. I'm so jealous of his X-Men uh, jacket there. I always yeah. wanted a jacket like that, like in the comics, you know, where mm-hmm. it just had a little X patch on it. They all seem so cool. This is a little bit of uh, his, like, uh, you know, that scene in Eyes Wide Shut where Tom Cruise is just, like, walking through the streets processing shit. Yes. And then Roxy uh, Richter shows up. She's like a blur of black smoke. Um, you know, he, like, punches upwards. And she's like, you punched me in the boob! What's is that she, from? My brain. Is she like kind of southern throughout this thing, or is it just like in this one sequence? Uh, I'm trying to think. I, I feel like it's mostly in the sequence that she gets like super southern, but okay. So shockingly, she gives him the rain check. Mm-hmm. So he goes to see his sister at the coffee shop. She bounces. Instead, there's like Julie Powers who's able to bleep out her words. I kind of wish this was in like Julie's first two scenes. Oh, she's doing it the whole time. Yeah, that would have worked. Um, I did think it was, I don't know if this is intentional or if I'm reading too much into it, but like it, his sister is magically like teleported outside and changed clothes in like the, the seconds he took to walk in. I got to go. The clothes yeah. she's wearing, I would swear this is either her exact outfit from Twilight or it's like it's an outfit for the Pacific Northwest because it's almost like she's leaving the movie to go be in Twilight here. That's cool. I, I love it. I, I, I want to say that that's like an intentional reference. So, uh, um, you know, Julie's upset because he's dating Ramona after she expressly told him not to, and he needs to stop wreaking havoc on girls. And she points that, uh, I hear that the girl who broke your heart, Envy, is back walking the streets again. Scott has zero fucking peripheral vision in the scene because, boom, there's Ramona, like, right up on him. Yeah. And with uh, the uh, poster of the Clash of Demon Head right behind her, soon to be replaced by the actual Envy Adams. Yeah. So he points out that she disappeared. She's like, that's something I do. She offers him an out. He doesn't take it. He mentions that the, the evil ex-boyfriends thing is a bit much. And again, she corrects some evil exes. Um, and he's like, I don't think that I, anything could get in the way of how I shit. <laughs> shit. <laughs> Just like, boom, there's envy. It's like, it's my ex. And she's like, big one. And he's like, mm-hmm. She's like, I've been standing here for 20 minutes waiting for mm-hmm. someone to notice. The me. way she just like struts up to him. And Ramona's just like, I'm going to excuse me. <laughs> Yeah, so she's, you know, the hair shaggy she mentions. She's jealous of him and Ramona. Immediately has the hat back on and, like, in the next cut, yeah. Yeah, uh, you know, even though she left him for a pretty boy that he's never seen. Um, so she invites him to see the band play. He says no. She's like, well, you're on the list. Um, 
So walking around, Scott and Ramona discuss it. He mentions Envy had moved to Montreal to be closer to her best friend, Todd. And then later, Scott found out they were sleeping together. Um, she's like, oh, I used to date a Todd as well, but it didn't end well, foreshadowing. Mm. And then she's like, hey, you know what I'm thinking about right now? How warm my place is. And they kiss. And it does like a little like cut to black with just like a, a single like animated heart on screen. Nice little move there to to suggest their romance. But do they fuck? They do not. As we learn, three is from, where you get the cookies. As we learn, well, is it date three? I guess it's kind of date three. I don't know. Is, is it's a coffee date for your third date? That seems a little weak. Well, that, it, that's it's more like he's just meeting the, her. It's really like night three. It's night three back at her place. I guess so. Yeah, I'm just saying those cookies have been cooking for three nights. Okay. Well, Scott um, Scott wasn't ready for it yet, you know. Still thinking about Envy uh, as he discusses it's a very with uh, Christian movie all of Wallace's uh, boyfriends here. Jesus fucking Christ, Scott is really cramping Wallace's style. Yeah, really. So at band practice, Stephen has news. Um, I mean, what are these guys coming over for? Like best case scenario, they're all getting a special under the covers. I don't know. Maybe Scott like showed up late to it. Because we see that later. Mm-hmm. Though I have a lot of questions about the logistics of that. Unless that dude is like sitting on Wallace's face. I don't know I what Scott actually saw. It's better to leave it to the imagination. <laughs> oh, hey, Scott. Presumably you just walked in on us glass bottom boating. Um, so band practice, Stephen is news. Clash and Demon Head are doing a secret show and they've been invited to be the opener, which Scott, which Scott hates, of course. Um, Can't we do our so- own secret shows? And Kim says all our shows are secret shows. <laughs> So Stephen points out that round two of the Battle of the Bands is coming up. They need a groundswell of support. They need stalkers. Cut to knives spying on them from the window. <laughs> and then she sees Scott kind of lean over on Ramona. Um, and I like how Scott's just like, you know, oh, what would you do if your ex was in a band? They wanted to open for you. And she's like, if my band was an ex, well, it might be a little awkward, but maybe it's the grown up thing to do. And suddenly he's just like, yeah, yeah, totally. We're all adults here. It's so clear how immature he is through the whole movie. I mean, that's, I guess the point of the movie is him finally, you know, maturing and growing up a little, but God, it's painful. Also, let me grab the lowest of hanging fruit. Mm -hmm. Knives is ready to cut this bitch. Um, Yes. (laughs) Knives going to get the hair dye, texting young Neil. Yeah. Um, With her friend, um, playing this badass hipster chick that Scott's dating, probably because she's so old. So she like, I think unintentionally dyes only half of her hair blue. Yeah. And then she looks at herself in the mirror and she's just like, God, I look so good. <laughs> like she's, she's finding her own self-esteem here. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so meanwhile, at the show sex bomb perform and the response is tepid. Uh, Scott says, Scott is wearing a smashing pumpkin zero shirt, which again is a reference to it's, uh, uh, you know, he's not one of the seven evil exes, but also I believe it's, Book three is called Scott Pilgrim and the Infinite Sadness. Yeah, I think I saw that on the Wikipedia tour. Um, I like how when they, the band ends are set, he says, thank you, we were six, sex by mom. And just Wallace and other Scott are at the bar just kind of like tilt their heads back and go, yeah. And then just like go back to what they're doing. <laughs> yeah. Like the only ones in the bar who care. Yeah, so Ramona goes to the bathroom, finds that Knives is there for half blue hair. is dressed like, like her. Like half stalking her. <laughs> yeah. Um, doing the, the same bar, hair tuck. Yeah, back at the bar, they see Knives is all over young Neil. And Ramona's like, who is this girl again? And Kim and Steven point out that Scott dated her. And Ramona's like, 
how old is she? We see the wheel turn in Scott's head, landing somewhere between I gotta pee and who her, and response is, I gotta pee on her. Oh, Scott, you trash. That's like my number 14 moment. And then um, it was time for the yeah. clash at Demon Head. I love the like audio waves just kind of like in the background as the, the song starts playing. It's so cool. Also, just again, this movie has got Superman, Captain Marvel, and Captain America in it. That's pretty fucking impressive. It's pretty impressive. I don't know how he doesn't like like fall ass backwards accidentally into Ant Man, mm-hmm. bar minimum. Uh, so we hear. I love that Black Sheep is the kind of song that just fucking revs up. Mm-hmm. Um, and also, man, she can work those heels. Those are but some yeah, serious comes, heels, yeah. You know, like Envy's doing her. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. and Scott's like that guy on bass. That's Todd. And I Mona's know. Like, I know. And he's like, oh no, you know. <laughs> oh yeah. Uh, I mean, just to have Captain Marvel and Superman in one band is wild. But yeah, Brandon Ralph, who's he great is, in this movie. This is the best he has ever been. He's incredible yeah. in this movie as Todd. He's just staring daggers at Scott. I'm not afraid to hit a girl. I'm a rock star. Unfortunately, Todd is very low on my uh, list just because of that. Okay. Um, other, otherwise, I love him. Mm-hmm. So after the show, the gang's hanging out. Like, Knives is gushing over Clash of Demon Head. A young Neil says, you should see them live. They're much better live. <laughs> there's a lot of little jokes like that yeah like their first uh, album was better than their first album yeah 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 well then that changes like almost mm-hmm. like line changes um but julie powers has to come backstage or come and invite them backstage on behalf of envy adams and scott's like all of us and she says did i fucking stutter i like how julie's asking these like kind of basic interview questions like oh you know what's it like to play with tixies you're like a superstar now and Envy's just like totally fake she's like yeah it's not really something i can put into words <laughs> So oh, Clash Envy, and Demon, I read your blog and they just glare at her. Clash and Demon Head are sitting on one couch with Julie Powers, just like glaring over at Scott and Ramona and the others on the other couch. Todd has a real stick up his butt about Ramona. Also, get it? Todd's wearing a number three shirt. Um, so you know, Julie points out again, like I said, Clash Demon turned at the Pixies. Envy happily drops that she was just playing a show in New York for Gideon to stick it to Ramona. And she's like, Ramona, I like your outfit. Affordable. Then it gets it gets a little dark. Knife says, I kissed the lips that kissed yours, which annoys Envy. Scott gets up, or uh, Todd gets up and punches Knives right in the fucking face. He punched the highlights out of her hair. Yeah. And then Todd says, what? I'm not afraid to hit a girl. I'm a rock star. Envy's like, you are incorrigible. He's like, I don't know the meaning of the word. And text on screen, he really doesn't. I like, uh, I think it's Julie says, so you guys do anything fun while you're in town? And Todd goes, fun? In Toronto? And they both laugh. And Scott's finally had enough. You cocky cock. But yeah. he didn't know that Todd is vegan. There's the kind of animated shot of uh him being like lifted up in the air by the vegan powers with like the, the circle rays. It's so cool. I love that. Like the silhouette. So the circle rays are obviously an effect, mm-hmm. but like they had him actually on a rig. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. It, it's a great looking shot. Um but yeah, so Scott's in midair with uh Todd's plant-based magic. And then Todd flings Scott through a wall of his powers into the alley outside. Over a lacto-vegetarian, maybe. Yeah. Like, um, is it uh, Kim, I think, or, or Steven who asks, like, so how does being vegan give you psychic powers? Like, well, you know your brain's only using 10%. The rest is filled with curds and whey. Yeah. Um, so uh, Scott eventually comes back to the fight, you know, and he says to Ramona, if I peed my pants, would you pretend that they're just wet from the rain? And she's like, it's not raining. Ouch. So Scott wants a backstory. We get another animated flashback that, you know, we find out that Ramona only dated Lucas until Todd came along. The two of them hated everything together and destroyed shit. And then 
Ramona found that Todd's dad was shipping him off to Vegan Academy, so she dumped him. And Ramona's like, I used to dabble in being a bitch. Did you learn that at Vegan Academy? Yeah. Don't so get Scott snippy with me, baby. So Scott finds out that Ramona's dumped every person she's ever been with. She's she's uh always been the dumpy. Yeah, dumpy. Yeah. Tell she's the cleaning the lady on Monday. Go on. Because she cleans. She does. Yeah. On go. Monday. Tighten it up. Mm-hmm. Um, I so like Scott how shades- Steven and Kim are just like, hey, we're going to go get a slice of pizza pizza. We'll catch you later. Yeah, I'll catch you after it's over. Mm-hmm. So Scott initiates a base battle with Todd. Um, I got to say, this gave me more joy to watch than every single Harry Potter magic wand fight. Yeah, it's great. And it starts with the immortal line. Sounds like someone wants to get funky. <laughs> so eventually Todd wins. He like Todd destroys him. Yeah, knocks Scott into the next room where Scott offers a toast of coffee. One is soy, the other has half and half. Scott tricks Todd into thinking, by thinking real hard about putting soy in the one cup and not the other. I just love the way Todd walks into the room and he's like adjusting the tuning key as he does it. It's, it's so perfect. Um, oh, simple things look really good. Like mm-hmm. the sea of uh, plastic cups that gets like blown away as they yeah. enter the one room. Even though if you watch the previous scenes, nobody's drinking plastic cups. <laughs> So Todd drinks, takes a sip of the coffee of half and half in it. The vegan police show up. The weirdest cameo ever. These guys should have been in our top moments because they're hilarious. Yeah. Thomas Jane and Clifton Collins Jr. They've got like green like finger lasers pointed at Todd. He's going to lose his, his vegan powers. But he's like, "What? three strikes. And they're like, this is your third strike. And so he had gelato first. And Todd's like, gelato eggs, isn't bitch. vegan. <laughs> and then like chicken parm. <laughs> Chicken's not vegan? Um, the be- I mean, this, the vegan police are already incredible, but then when they ended after Todd, like, or after Scott headbutts Todd and he like blows up into coins, the vegan police in the background are like walking away in slow mo, but then they like do this high five and they go, yeah, like it's so <laughs> hilarious. Yeah. So they de-veganize Todd, even his hair loses volume. Mm-hmm. And then like these fucking like dad jokes from T- Scott where he's just like, you were once vegan and now you'll be gone. Mm, work on that. Yeah. Uh, so Scott apologized to Envy. Uh, and she's like, you just headbutted my boyfriend so hard he vaporized. What did you so think he, of like, there's like this moment here where he calls her Nadge. Like nobody calls me that anymore. Like I, I'm interested in more in of Envy's like kind of inner thoughts, but yet like it feels almost cheap for like Scott to be the impetus for it. Well, in my notes, I wrote, and Mr. High and Mighty is like, yeah. well, maybe somebody should. Yeah, exactly. Please. Being sex and sexy and rich and talented is a substitute for everything. I, I feel like I, I, I needed somebody else to call her Nat for that moment to land better. Yeah, yeah. Because it's, yeah. I, I don't know, I just, I, I'm not here for Scott's emotions, I guess. Well, it's like, it's like Envy's just been recreated as like the villain of sex. Mm-hmm. And, and whatever. Um, so the gang wants to go to the after party, even though one third of the band was just murdered. Um, Scott like wants to stick it to Ramona. He asks if she's dated anyone who wasn't terrible, and she's like, "Well, so far you're not a total ass." Well, there's a whole so, lot of, uh, "Do you want to go to the after party?" He's like, "I don't know, do you?" And she's just like, "Well, I'm fine with whatever you want." It's like, "Okay, so you want to go?" Like, it's already getting real snippy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So she points out that he's what she needs right now, and he's like, "But not later." And it's like, "Well, come on, be be, be cool." Um, <laughs> like this- she's like uh has everyone have you ever dated someone that wasn't a total ass and she's like so far you're not a total ass but then later she's like okay you are being a total ass yeah 
Um, I kind of like I know in the graphic novels, there's a couple other girls over the course of mm. the six of them, like like the Lisa. Okay. So like I kind of wish there was one more girl in this like walk of Scott's like backstory. I mean, even though we just got Envy, or like if Envy was in the scene, mm-hmm. you know what I mean. Um, you need three. Like how when you're talking about knives, like we had a very healthy break. We're, like, we're all pasters and cream, and then like off screen here, no. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, when you see again, Allison Pills, great. Mm-hmm. When he mentions her, uh, he mentions the boyfriends again. She corrects him to exes once more time. And he finally says, why do you keep saying that? This is when Roxy shows up. And Scott's like, do you know this girl? And Roxy's like, boy, does she know me. <laughs> and Scott's the, uh, head goes from the no clue to gets it. Yeah, gets it. Ramona says, it was just a phase. And Roxy's like, just a phase? And he's like, you had a sexy phase? I was just a little bi-curious. Well, honey, I'm a little bi furious, which is a fantastic line. Also, later, Roxy calls her a hasbian. Hasbian, yeah. <laughs> uh, so Roxy this, goes. This to fight's kiss- very inventive. The way she, it's like uh, Ramona has to fight Roxy through Scott because Scott refuses to hit a girl. Well, but also the movie's smart about like this guy's a douchebag, yeah. but yeah, he's not Todd. Um. I remember this in my head, like this is like the filler fight scene. Watching it, I'm like, this is this is good. This is like, I don't know, five or six on a listing of fights with me. Honestly, like for me, I think the last fight might be the the least interesting of them. Uh maybe, but if it is the least interesting, then Matthew Patel is number six, right? I mean, I guess he's his is like I feel like the baseline. Mm-hmm. It's like the first fight, and it's just mostly just fighting, you know. Mm-hmm. So Roxy takes off her uh, belt, which comes like this like long whip of mirrored blades. Again, to be the guy who talks about the behind the scenes, like uh, Meg Whitman has like this like giant red sash that she's flinging around on the set. Which oh, is really cool. uh, there's a, uh, an incredible shot where she like breaks the uh, mirror ball, and like the mirror shards fall down, and you see uh, Roxy and Ramona in the reflection. Like it's it's just pure flexing, and then Scott in the middle, like between the two of them in reflection. I'm kind of amazed that the budget's only $65 million. It's really impressive, yeah. Uh, so Ramona pulls out a giant magical hammer from her purse. Um, you know, Roxy points out this is a league thing. that like uh, Gideon has de- smoky. Yeah. Uh, Gideon has declared that she can't have her. No one can. So why the fuck are you doing Gideon's work? What the fuck? So, you know, Ramona, Ramona mentions Gideon again. Maybe Gideon should come up here himself. So Scott goes over to Wallace at the bar to verify this is all real, and it is. And Wallace is like, kick her in the balls! Oh, Wallace. Uh, um, so they keep fighting, and Roxy says, I'm going to send you back to getting a thousand pieces. You slag. Getting harsh. Uh, eventually, Scott is like down for the count, but then uh, he's told of uh, her weakness is the back of her knee, uh, Roxy's. And so he just like touches it with his finger, and she basically like climaxes right there and bursts his power. As she, as she gyrates on the ground, she yells, You'll never be able to do this to her. <laughs> And then she orgasms so hard she explodes in the coins. Which I would have thought she would have used her uh, Nightcrawler powers a little bit more. Yeah. But the crowd laughs. We hear someone, ADR, say, if I were Scott Pilgrim, I would be so embarrassed. <laughs> so then we get the, the real fight here between uh, Ramona and Scott. Punctuated at the end by him saying, is there anyone in this uh, room club you haven't slept with? And it's just like, oh, Scott, you ass. Well, it's unfounded. Yeah, really. I mean, seemingly the girl only has seven X's. That's kind yeah, of Yeah, what's wild. your number, Scott? Seriously, yeah, what's your body count, son? Um, 
But yeah, also Scott, uh, he orders G and T's like one of those G&T two of them. Boys. Yeah. No, do you, do you want one? He says to her. I kind of um, wanted one. Oh, there we go. So, uh, um, blah, 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 blah. oh, there's a, there's a funny bit where she like sarcastically says, "I'll make you a laminated list," and then like two seconds later, she hands him a laminated list. Like here you go, by the way. Yeah, she's like in his like petulant state. It's like he's trying to force a breakup. Mm-hmm. So she tells him that he's just another evil ex waiting to happen. Which man, I don't think Gideon would let him in the gang. Um, like sorry, Scott. There's like a height talent as far mm-hmm. as coolness, and you don't match. Um, so next up is the the Karyangi, Karyanagi twins. Um, we found out that the next band practice they're going to be the next band, the battle on the battle of the bands. Amp versus amp. Yeah. And this whole fight is really it's it's one extended like riff on like electronic music because <laughs> they have like these weird massive like consoles in front of them and they just like play a single key. It's just like this like square wave on their synthesizer. Well, like I I look at this like wall of amps and I was like oh shit I forgot they were DJs but mm-hmm. they're just keyboardists too. Yeah, I mean, presumably they're triggering all sorts of like samples and whatnot. Yeah. Yeah. Um. So Scott hasn't talked to Ramona since the other night, but she's there in the audience talking to someone. And Green then hair turns now. Around, Oh shit! It's Jason Schwartzman in one of his greatest roles. Ah, uh, he's so sleazy in this. He, he really nails the role. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. The the, like, the fight itself is pretty cool. Just like the animation of like the dragons and the gorilla and all that. Good, yeah, good visual got, representation of the music. The K twins can like uh, conjure up like ghost dragons when they're playing. Sex with Bomb rocks so hard they conjure up like Ghost Donkey Kong, who like kills the like with snakes or whatever. Like mm-hmm. he like pulls them apart. Uh, so they eventually, you know, kill the K twins, like earning six thousand coins. Um, Scott gets a one up. Why here does he get a one up? I mean, that's a good question. I suppose. I mean, he did. He somewhat earned it. I guess you could say. Like he he, he played the shit out of it here with the rest of the band. Mm. Um, like he I mean, did maybe something like not for himself. Yeah, sometimes in video games you just get a one up. You know, not for any particular reason. It's just like you've got enough points at that point. You know. I'm trying to remember if in the comics he gets it earlier. I know earlier in the comics he gets the um, the sword of love or whatever. Mm, okay. Um, so he goes after Ramona, but she's disappeared. There's knives, though. Again, the broken social scene's playing. Um, you know, now you're all gone. You got your makeup on. You're not coming back. Um, so outside the club, Scott catches up to Ramona. He knows that she plays it cool and aloof to avoid getting hurt and being mysterious about her past. So he's in lesbians with her. So she breaks up with him. You know, she's like, I, I can't control myself around him. Who's him? Jason Schwartzman. Who's like, and that's the bad news. And I love that you can hear under my thump by the stones yeah. playing inside his car. Good news is I'm officially loving the sex bombs. He calls them, I think, sex pops later. Yeah. And, and he like wants to sign and do three record contract. And Scott's just like, no way. And the rest of the band is just like running to grab the uh, contract and sign it. Yeah, with young Neil. Yeah, there's. Well, I won't be in the band. Oh, young Neil, he's right there. He'll be in it. Like how uh, when he offers a record contract, it, it like cuts to Steven Seals, and it's like a little thing pisses says himself. P pointing at his leg. Just straight up pisses himself. Oh uh, yeah. So so Gideon and Ramona drive off. Um, uh, fun fact about Jason Schwartzman in the Entertainment Weekly reunion read through, he wore a T-shirt of his own face on it. Nice. It's a good flex. So Scott has to walk home by himself while Beck performs Ramona. Uh, bangs his head against the pole. Well, he's like, I said lesbians. Yeah. <laughs> Instead uh, he, of love, yeah. He sits on the swing alone where he was with Ramona previously. It's, I mean, the swing shot is basically there, Joel and Clementine on yeah. the frozen lake. Yeah, definitely. Uh, and then Stacy so, reappears from, uh, from, she got back from Forks. 
a little kind of semi heart to heart, but then she's like realizes it's only seven evil X's instead of like 12 or something. She's like, Oh, well that's not that bad. Also, this is like my number 15 top moment. Like when she says, did you really see a future with this girl? And he's like, like with jetpacks. Time heals all wounds, little brother, even though she, uh, he's older. Maybe next yeah. time we don't date the girl with 11 evil ex-boyfriends. Seven. Seven. Well, that's, that's not, not that that's bad. That's not so bad. <laughs> so Scott comes home. Well, the, the last part of that where she's she's like, oh, that's not so bad. And Scott goes, yeah, I know. And then she turns away like on her phone. And she goes, it's so pathetic. Like She's <laughs> talking about him right there. So he goes home. He walks in and Wallace having sex. Um, like later, Wallace is like, presumably you just saw some guy's junk. I want to know what position they're in. Because the way you can see Wallace's feet. I don't know. I don't know, man. Somebody draw a diagram and tweet it to, to James Taylor. Yeah. Um, so later, Wallace comforts Scott, sort of, um, letting him know that he needs to get out so that Wallace can start having sex all over his apartment again, which it's about time. You're having like 4Gs, okay? You're having 4Gs, and like one of those people is Scott Pilgrim, which is like sitting there. And then Gideon makes the, the call just to gloat as uh, Ramona sits rather robotically right in front of him there. Yeah. And I like how when he, when he hears that Ramona's there, he like on uh, uh, Gideon's end, he just hears like this scream and he's like, geez, buddy, it's going to be all right. And Scott's like, no, I just spilled hot cocoa on my crotch. Yeah. So he's opened a new chaos theater in Toronto. wants Scott to be there. So it won't be weird, especially since the sex pops will be playing. Um, so Scott puts on another Smashing Pumpkin shirt to go handle this shit with a little heart on it. What a perfect asshole. Yeah. This is my love when he storms up to the guy at the hench guy and he's just like password, oh, whatever. It goes so, like cool. Who are we making fun of with the uh, the new outfits on the sex ball bombs here? This is the highest, is that right? Uh the, it's the Kim thing that confuses me about the hives. But the other two with all- like these like skinny ties, all black and white, like that was my initial thought was the highs. I, I maybe I mean it's kind of like not so much the hives, but a lot of people were doing like color coded stuff. I mean, like the white mm-hmm. stripes were really obsessed with color coding for a while. Mm-hmm. Um, to get in the elevator to go down the henchmen, second more henchmen, they're like second password, and he's like, eh. they're like cool. Somebody so get this guy Coke Zero. Yeah. Um, so it gets again. It's a ridiculous drink, but also um, he's not one of the evil exes. He's not a number. He's a zero. So we get to see Como like talking to some folks. Like I said, this is the uh, the first album was better than the first album. Mm. Um, and then we got the the key line here where Gideon's like, "You want to fight me for her?" And he says, "Was that not clear? Was that not clear? Why on earth did you want to do that? Because I'm in love with her." And then he earns the power of love and pulls a big sword out of his chest. Oh, because Sex Bomb are playing a song called "We're Having No Fun." Yeah, also, and Kim does her like very understated. We are Sex Bomb, and we're here to make money and sell out and stuff. Um, this fucking like pyramid esque throne that getting the wild club Mm -hmm. this is like it's so ostentatious it might as well be in marine Mm -hmm. um yeah so real coke zero burn um we find out that uh we will find out that ramona's got like the fucking chip later i like Uh, the uh like the uh, like chalk outlines of coins uh where all the like stunt dudes he kills there with the sword yeah yeah um i like when uh he, he calls for music and he's just like kimberly and Allison Bill does the countdown while scratching her cheek with her middle finger. <laughs> uh, so a bunch of henchmen show up and fight Scott. Like, none of them have weapons, so he's just, like, slashing these dudes in half. Gideon has a cane sword. They jump in air and fight. And, of course, Gideon destroys Scott's sword. And then Nye uh, shows up 
And it's like, oh, is she here to help? No, she's coming after Ramona. Yeah. I'm not talking to Even you. I'm she's talking to clearly, her. She's clearly attacking Gideon there. But yeah. yeah uh, Knives has a certain way of talking. She's like, Before she fucks up Ramona, she's like, you broke the heart that broke mine. Um, and Ramona's like, you're kidding, right? <laughs> Get ready to chow down. Yeah, so uh, Scott and Gideon fist fight. Um, Scott manages to like, do a move that would totally break Gideon's back when he like flings him to the side of the uh, yeah, pyramid seriously. thing there. Uh, Knives is yelling, you stole my boyfriend. So like, Scott has to break up the two ladies, explain that Knives and nope, like, nobody stole anybody, that he has to admit that he cheated on Knives of Ramona. But he, he kind of half-asses it. He, she's like, you cheated on me? And he's like, well... Or I think Ramona says you cheated on me. He's like, well, I kind of cheated on Knives with you. Yeah. Which I feel like Ramona has to have guessed that by now, right? Yeah. Maybe I forgot to tell Knives right away. Yeah. Uh, that's when Gideon comes up behind and stabs him in the heart. She, like, Scotty. Yeah, she has a line uh, where he's like, "I." she says, um, you cheated on me with Knives? He says, no, I cheated on Knives with you. And she goes, is there a difference? And he goes, you weren't wronged. Less wronged. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so Gideon stabs in the back. And like, Scotty, you can cheat on these ladies all you like, but you can't cheat death. It's, runs him through there. Uh, and he so dies. Scott's dead. Mm-hmm. Yeah, end of movie. Uh, so, any complaints? Uh, we wake up in the desert. We find out that he, where he first dreamed of Ramona. Ramona's there to explain her relationship with Gideon. She says that she was obsessed with him, that he made her feel more alone when they were together than whenever she was on her own, so she had to leave him. And that's when he started paying attention to her. Um, and so there's, there's a good moment here where, like, you know, why go back to Gideon? And she's like, I can't help myself around him, Scott. He has, he's got a way of getting into my head. And Scott's like, well, that is legitimately disappointing. She's like, no, seriously. He has a way of getting into my head. She turns around and sees, like, there's a computer chip on the back of her neck there. Yeah. So she apologizes, says that she wanted something simple. He says that he really fought for her. And she's like, well, maybe I'm the one. I'm not the one you should have been fighting for. She, she disappears like a swirl of dust. And Scott's like, bummer i'm fucking dead and he remembers he earned an extra life and i mean this is kind of the the key of the movie i guess is uh learning to respect himself and not fight for somebody else which i almost feel like it's on the surface it seems trite and there's like an easy counter take to just like fuck this guy but i do feel like below those two takes there is the kind of like like that that's the point is that it's kind of obvious and that scott's immature but like i think I think there's, unfortunately, at some point in our lives when we were young and immature, there's at least a little bit of Scott Pilgrim in us. And it's about, like, being okay to accept that, you know? Well, but also, if you don't love yourself, you, you can't really love others. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you will either treat other people like shit instead of yourself. You know, I mean, there's a lot of, like, debris in his life. To yeah. find out, you know, his, his fucking love life is a fucking battleground. Um, so we rewind. He does some stuff over. He goes back to the Chaos Club. He, like... Tells the first doorman that his hair is stupid and the dude explodes into coins. We pass Como again. And this time Como's saying um, the comic book was better than the movie. Uh, when he walks in, he congrats like Steven on the lineup and how much better they are without him. And the, uh, young Neil has earned the moniker of just Neil. Neil. <laughs> so Scott apologizes to Kim, which earns points with her. Um, and Scott's finally, he turns to Gideon. He's like, you're pretentious. This club sucks. I've got beef. <laughs> And they fight again, but this time he's not fighting for her. He's fighting for himself. He's earned the power of self-respect. He pulls another flaming sword out of his chest, um, calls on Kim. She's a more energetic countdown this time. Music plays. They, like, fight the henchmen. 
Scott defeats Gideon. Um, Scott tries to call out knives, you know, but she still kicks in and or jumps in and kicks Ramon in the face. Wants a revenge. He comes clean immediately this time. Yeah, yeah. He he doesn't let it get dragged out of him. He just comes out and says it and apologizes, and is you know seemingly learned at least a little bit of a lesson here. I mean, again, I think both these girls knew because girls always know. But he had to, you know, it's different suspecting mm-hmm, yeah. and like being told. So his mind control, her, her mind control chip is defeated. Gideon's back. Uh, he and Scott fight some more. Uh, Scott and Knives tag in two-player mode. Um, something, something about the gum. The gum? Uh, yeah. Oh, that's right. It'll take seven years to uh, digest because he accidentally swallowed his gum there. I mean, we basically have Obi-Wan and Qui-Gon fighting Darth Maul here, which is like an orgy of like video game blips. Um, at one point, it seems like Gideon's defeated Knives and Scott, and Ramona comes over, and he's like, yeah, still my girl. And she's like, let's both be girls. And she kicks him to the nards. There's a so lot of ball her. humor in this movie. Yeah. Um, he starts hitting her, throwing her down the stairs, which pisses off Knives and Scott, and they beat the shit out of him. So Gideon's like glitching in and out, and they get the... Uh, Do you have any idea how long it took me to get all the Evil X's contact information so I could form this stupid league? Like two hours. <laughs> two hours. Which, no, because some of those dudes were like middle school boyfriends. That took longer than two hours. Well, maybe he put his people on it. I don't know. This is back. I feel like it was maybe a little easier to find people back then because they're just all in MySpace. Canadian MySpace. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The so Gideon's like, you don't deserve her. I'm what's hip. What's happening? I'm blowing up right now. And Scott's like, yeah, you are. And it kicks him in the fucking face. And he just explodes from the head on down. Bunch of coins. Seven million points won. Pretty mm-hmm. impressive. Coins are like falling like slow motion, like the frogs of Magnolia. Mm-hmm. Onto the drums on the stage, which is pretty funny. So Kim's like, there goes our deal. And Steven's like, we're still getting paid, right? And she's like, there goes our deal. So and he's like, shit. He starts scooping up all the coins on the ground, throwing them in his pockets. Uh, uh, I want to see like Scott and Knives like slip and fall on the coins coming mm-hmm. down the stairs. So Ramona sees them and she's like, you two make a good pair. Uh, getting calls to Scott from his glasses like he's Darth Vader's helmet talking to Kylo Ren. It's time to and face. He, uh, you can defeat me, but you can't defeat yourself. Yeah. So it looks like Zombie Scott of Red Eyes, but it's Nega Scott solo round. So cut to Ramona Knives waiting outside for this fight to end. Eventually, Scott comes out with Nega, Nega Scott. And I just, again, I love this, um, this little bit. And he's just like, oh, nothing. We just shot the shit. He's a really nice guy. We're going to get brunch next week. <laughs> so I guess Scott uh, is making peace of his dark side or like letting himself off the hook more than usual. Yeah. One of, those, pretty, one of those two? One of those two, yeah. <laughs> so Knives says, you know, your hair, it's getting really shaggy. He immediately has the hat back on. Um, Knives crushes his hair, suggests he get a haircut. Well, and so even Ramona though she's so much shorter than him, there is like a confidence in Knives now where it's like she suddenly realizes how immature he is and how much more mature she is. Yeah. Um, so uh, Ramon tries to bounce. He, she says that she should get a new life because the past keeps catching up with her. So she thanks Scott for being the nicest guy she's ever dated. And he's like, that's kind of sad, <laughs> which is like it the is only cell phone. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so Scott says, well, buy and stuff. And she's like, yeah, and stuff. So she leaves and Knives is like, go after her, you asshole. Like you've been fighting for her all along. And he's like, what about you? And she's like, I'll be fine. I'm too cool for you anyway. This ending to me makes way more sense than him getting back together with Knives. Like that, I don't want to root for that anyways, because he's 22 and she's 17, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and it's more like, hey, why don't I come with you, you know, out West or whatever? 
it's it's not and they lived happily ever after you know it's a little more open-ended yeah yeah um well you know it's a second it's a second chance who mm-hmm. knows so he goes off for ramona um he reaches out she reaches out takes his hand that take that doorway that appears in the middle of the snowy street presumably to to fuck for the first time uh, we get the countdown and, five four three two. yeah like a very like david bowie-esque countdown here uh as you know continue question mark counts down and then it cuts to black at one pretty nice little ending there in a lot of ways um i think we talked about noah bombach last week mm-hmm. this movie reminds me a lot of uh i think it's like his second movie mr jealousy with eric stoltz i've not seen it it hits a lot of the same beats Interesting. including the exact same ending does it also have uh like a kind of mega man style animation at the end of scott warping away for all you know. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, any complaints? Uh, Michael Sarah? There is that. There's also um, Scott as a character. I just, I never really feel like I'm really rooting for him to win and defeat the evil exes because, like, I care about him. I just, I mostly just want the movie to keep going. You know, like that's the only reason I want to win is so we can get to the next fight. And and I feel no emotional connection to him. I mean, I really want more with the supporting characters, too. I, I just um, I feel like that just Scott kind of gets off the hook fairly easily for the movie. Yeah. Never really yeah. seems like he's suffering at all. And because it's all so much from his perspective, it, it's when he does kind of sulk, it, it just feels kind of whiny and insincere rather than like genuine. Well, yeah, I mean, I, I, I wish there were more ramona mm-hmm. um but i mean she's she's clementine of less lines yeah pretty much um another just kind of minor thing but it's always bugged me when the matthew patel fight first breaks out there's like a couple of reaction shots of St- stacy pilgrim being like what is going on which is like i feel like they don't need to be there like it's like they didn't trust the audience to like be in on it and so they needed to cut mm-hmm. to her being like what like i don't know it just mm-hmm. it stands out to me every time i watch it I feel like in little places there's I don't know like little bits of logic you just kind of it's just movie logic yeah yeah it just gets swept through mm-hmm. or or I mean I know this movie had quite a few deleted scenes so I feel like you can kind of like it works for the most part but you can kind of see that little shaky structure in places um changes uh make one change yes I have one I'm curious what you think oh. of this I would recast Scott Pilgrim with Crash of Crash and the Boys, Eric Knudsen. I feel like that actor is a little bit more of a rascal and he might make Scott's personality like pop a little more, like have a little more edge to it. I'm trying to think of which of those two guys is more gremlin like. You really hate those guys, huh? I I don't hate Eric Knudsen. Um I think Crash is great. I feel like he would be a better Scott than Michael Sarah. He he maybe I, less like, I don't know, adorkably awkward or whatever, like Michael Sarah's whole bit is, but I feel like I, I might be invested in him a little more. I didn't look to see if there were like uh uh other casting yeah, yeah. options. I'd be curious. I'm gonna I'm gonna kinda see if I can find that on Wikipedia real quick. Cause I yeah. Seriously. Um I mean, I don't know. I don't want to totally bag on uh, Scott Michael Sarah. He's just, he's so ingrained in my mind as Michael, or as uh, George Michael. And then also, he basically is kind of playing George Michael in Juno. 
So that mm-hmm. by the time we get to this, it's just like, oh, he's just doing Michael Sarah things, even though this character doesn't exactly feel like that character. Yeah. I mean, it's seemingly as looking at Wikipedia, so I skim it. They basically, um, they had Michael Sarah in mind, you know, when he was doing Hot Fuzz, mm. he was watching Arrested Development and just like, this is the guy. Same thing for Mary Elizabeth Winstead. Um, again, to talk about the behind the scenes, the uh, screen test for Mary Elizabeth Winstead um they really nail like her her anime poses that she like does Mm -hmm. in the um in the comic like she really like has like the big eyes and she does all that i feel like it's a little more toned down in the movie itself uh oh here's a casting what if uh robert pattinson is lucas lee yeah i mean i don't think he could have pulled it off nearly the same i wouldn't buy him as like a skater turned actor yeah I just cracked up that during like his like quarantine interview before he got COVID-19 when they were like, uh, oh, so you're not, you're like, you had to take a break from filming Batman. I presume you have to keep in shape while you're waiting to go back to set. And he's just like, no. Did you know that there's like a crazy conspiracy theory that he wasn't actually sick and that they were just like feuding with Robert Pattinson. So they stopped production for a couple of weeks. It's completely insane. Um, they don't do that. Like they don't stop production to argue with an actor. I think the only thing that was interesting about the time that he was supposedly sick was that there were shots of him out with his girlfriend, like walking in parks and stuff, mm-hmm. um, which seems like something you wouldn't necessarily do if you had COVID-19, but no, if you had else? a mild case, you know, but I mean, I mean you shouldn't you know, do it, but maybe, maybe stay home. Yeah. <laughs> maybe Keep that mild case to yourself. Maybe. All right. Um, did you have any make one changes? Uh, the most minor one would be like figure out what uh, uh, Julie Powers is doing with her bleeping. <laughs> that fucking stutter. Yeah. All right. Well, I have 20 in the power rankings. I have 16. So take it for a walk. All right. Number 20, the Katty Yanagi twins. They just the cool fight, but it's not like we get a single line of dialogue from them. So they go down here. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Number 19. These guys should be way higher. The vegan police. I love them. Excellent. Number 18, Crashing the Boys. REP. They went out too soon. Okay. And number 17, this is uh, the friend of Nye's. It's Tamara Chin, I believe is the character's name. Okay, cool. Uh, 16, I have Bill Hader as the voice. Okay. Which he, you know, it's, it's minimal work. I mean, obviously, Bill Hader's done more interesting voices here and there, like BB 8. Mm-hmm. But uh, I just love when he interjects with the, uh, it was mutual. It was not. It was brutal. <laughs> uh, number 16, I feel like you're going to get mad when I say this. Okay. I'll I go ahead and say it anyways. Gideon, you say Envy Adams here. Gideon okay. Grays. Oh, okay. I just wasn't, I don't know. I, I do feel, I, we didn't really talk about this during the, the recap, but I feel like the, the middle of this movie, it peaks so high with Black Sheep and the base battle that the last like act of the movie, like the last 40 minutes, it's like, I'm just not as engaged because it's, it's just, I don't know. We've, we've flown too close to the sun already. That's fair. Uh, so 15. Yes. I also have Gideon Graves. So you're, oh, you're good. Boom. Nailed it. I wonder, <laughs> I mean, his it's, you know, the, even the high points or the low parts of this list are, are mm-hmm. pretty solid. Yeah. I just, I was ready for the movie to be over. Yeah. I wonder where you have this character ranked. Because at 15, I have Scott Pilgrim. 
Okay. I feel like it, uh, he's he's the center of everyone orbiting around him, who's awesome, and he has like a couple good lines. Yeah, I have him higher. I think only because I I felt the pool of him being the lead. I mean, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. Some of these, some, sure. to some extent, this list is arbitrary. <laughs> Just a little bit, yeah. So, so like ten percent arbitrary. Um, and ninety percent is curves away. Uh, fifteen. I have uh, Julie Powers. Okay. I have Como at 14. Oh, Como didn't make my list, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. Um, Who's your 14? See. 14, I have got Todd, because Todd punches a girl. Wow, okay. I don't know what it says about me, that I rated him much higher. Or also, Todd doesn't know the chicken parm is not vegan. Or gelato. Smoking eggs, bitch. <laughs> uh, where are we at? 13? Yeah. Matthew Patel. That actor, I really liked him in the read-through, like the Zoom read-through. I was like, man, I want to see this guy in more stuff. Yeah, yeah. I was shocked to see that he was the character he played on New Girl just because he's buried under his Matthew Patel look. I actually left him off because I like I, I kind of find that fight to be the weakest to me. I, I get what you're saying about the Gideon fight. Mm-hmm. That's the point you just want the movie to be over. But the Matthew Patel fight, I don't know. Parts of it are uncomfortable and parts of it are just like... I don't know. I know the Lucas Lee fight's coming, so I just want to move past yeah. it. Yeah, I mean, I'm probably so, giving him a bump just from like the Zoom read-through. Also, apparently that guy is English, or he's from London, um, and the instructions from Edgar Wright where he didn't want any English actors, he was doing an American movie, and so he like he did his audition with an American accent the entire time, or I guess a Canadian accent, you know? So like they didn't mm-hmm. know he was English. It's pretty impressive. Maybe he learned that in Skull and Bones. Mm-hmm. Uh, 13, I have the Karyanagi twins. Um, I just like their whole look. You're right. They don't have yeah. a single line of dialogue, but it's they're such fast. I mean, also, we're really skipping past the most interesting thing that Ramona dated two guys. At the same time. Yeah. Yeah. Twins. Number 12, I have young Neil. Oh, yeah. Left, yeah Should we say just Neil? Wow, who is on your list? I'm going to be curious now. Uh, number 12 is the crash on the boys. Okay. Especially when he fucking calls out the guy who keeps heckling them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this one goes out to the guy who won't stop yelling. It's called We Hate You, Please Die. What's your level? 11. Julie Powers. Okay. Clever. Why so high? Defend it. Uh, Aubrey Plaza, very entertaining. Mm-hmm. Did she fucking stutter? Perfect. Well said. Uh, 11, I have the vegan police. Okay. Fair. Can't argue so, with it. Just such a weird cameo. Yeah. It's, it's like you buy the weird sci-fi magic logic of this movie so far, and the, it feels like they're a huge step forward in yeah. that. Well, it's like you're even buying the whole like vegan, being vegan gives you superpowers thing, and then just the vegan police show up. Which, you know what, though? Like, I'm not vegan. I don't think I'll become vegan. You know how I, You know how I knew you weren't vegan? How's that? You hadn't mentioned it several times already. Well done. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I do respect the people who do it for like environmental reasons. I think that's that's clever because a lot of our shit that we do to the environment is based on how we handle meat or beef. But I feel like I eat less beef, so whatever. You partake not in the meat, the breast milk, or the ovum of any creature of the face. And yet I exclusively eat faces. Mm-hmm. Weird. Number 10, I've got Roxy Richter. Oh, May nice. Whitman, so much fun. 
Oh shit! I totally forgot Roxy. Oh, I'm so sorry. Poor me. Her. Especially since this is my shit move here. Number ten, Edgar Wright. Okay. Because fuck yeah, he's great. I think this um, is my favorite Edgar Wright movie. I mean, I I enjoy things about uh, Hot Fuzz and The World's End. I really love the beginning of The World's End. I'm not a huge mm-hmm. Shaun of the Dead fan. I remember watching it in theater and just being like, eh. Oh, I've never seen Spaced, mm-hmm. um, which I feel like, you know, if people have seen Spaced, you'll know because they'll tell you. Mm-hmm. Um, I've seen Shaun of the Dead, whatever. Uh, I haven't seen Hot Fuzz. Do I need to see Hot, Hot Fuzz? Hot Fuzz is, is pretty funny. It? Yeah, uh, Timothy Dalton's really funny in it. Oh, excellent. Is that the one where he's like standing in front of a portrait of himself? It might be. I mean, he's he's really hamming it up in that movie. Excellent, excellent. Um, like you said, the beginning of World's End is good. I wish the rest of that movie like held up. Did they... Did he direct the weird alien thing with Peg and Mick Frost? The weird alien thing. Like an alien road trip movie that they were in together. Did he direct I that? I think so. I feel like I'm pretty sure his next movie after the world's end was Baby Driver. Baby Driver was a movie that I felt like people liked. And then I saw it and I was just like, what's wrong with me that well, I just don't feel the whole, this like we edited the whole movie to music and I'm like, okay, I dig it. And then like the fucking like, b-sides and like rarities we got on the soundtrack i was just like this is the songs you came up with i don't know i was not feeling the music well i wasn't feeling the relationship between him and uh, i mean i like name? lily james but yeah he's i like his her face is kind of stiff um i didn't like what's his name from walking dead i've never liked that guy walking um, dead. john ham yeah oh like oh Shane. yeah i mean he's appropriately skeezy in the world that fits him i like I the like isaac Hamm gonzalez only plays villains yeah, that was a good villain turn by John Hamm. It was just, I don't know. The, this was the only, Scott Pilgrim's the only PG-13 movie that Garay has done. Maybe he should work more in PG-13 to like rein himself in just a little bit. Because I feel like Baby Driver got weirdly like super violent towards the end. Mm. And it's like just seemed unnecessary. Also, we're not talking about who we're not talking about. Yeah. You know who we're not talking about. I mean, about. that movie is uh, some problematic all-stars there for sure. For realsies. Mm-hmm. Um, well, even Anson Elgort. Yeah, yeah, no, no, I'm implying him as well. Uh, oh, good, 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 good. Fucking teenagers. Yeah. Where are we at? Did you do your number 10? My number 10 is like, right. Okay, my number nine, possibly controversial, Ramona Flowers. Mm. I enjoy her character. There's just others I enjoy more. Gotcha. And she's gotcha. a little bit just, she's at a distance, you know, we don't totally know what's up with her a lot of time. Oh, I can, I can save myself of my one thing here. Okay, so number nine, I've got uh, Stacey Pilgrim. Okay, she's my number eight. I love Anna Kendrick. Nice. Mm-hmm. Um, at eight is where I will put uh, Scott Pilgrim. Okay. He should probably be lower. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he's the center of the movie around which everything orbits, but I don't find his character all that compelling, even though, I don't know, at some level you should just to to really like the, the message, quote unquote, of the movie, like for it to land, you should be at least a little bit you know, feeling him. I, I kind of wonder though, if there's a little bit of, or if you could see it as a little bit like, um, uh, case two in twilight where he's kind of a cipher for you to I, inhabit. Maybe, but I feel like he, he has more personality. He's just so, I don't know, like, uh, lightweight. Yeah. I just, you know, I just don't, buy their relationship i don't buy that ramona flowers would ever be into this guy 
I don't know. Maybe, maybe that is the magic of Scott Pilgrim is that he seems so unassuming. You know, he's just constantly landing chicks. Unless, and I hate this read, unless it's like, uh, well, no one else is coming up to her at the party. Mm-hmm. You know, I hate that. Uh, number seven. Yeah. Your boy, Todd Ingram. Don't you talk to me about grammar. Um, yeah, so it's number seven is where I would put Roxy. Okay. Who'd you bump? I don't recall now, but okay. it fits. Um, but yeah, Roxy, like, uh, it's just, I didn't even think about honestly until I was getting ready to do this, this podcast that like, oh shit, Anne and Michael, mm-hmm. George Michael are both in this movie. Her? <laughs> Turns uh, out who, she egg? is funny. Yeah. Uh, number six, I feel like I can get crucified for this. Lucas Lee. Yeah, you, you, you know what? Honestly, could you do me a favor? Mm-hmm. Could you like prop up the boards yourself? Honestly, could you just like nail in all the nails, but the last one for the rest of us? I'll try. Yeah. I mean, I like Lucas Lee. There's just certain characters I like more. Okay. Uh, six is where I would put Ramona Flowers. And it's not because I don't think a Mary Elizabeth Winstead deserves better. I just, I don't know that this movie's really, the character is just not designed to. And she's like you the manic, in her head, manic really. pixie indie rock girl in a lot of ways, you know. Yeah, you just you never really get into her head. The movie's not as concerned with what what Ramona's up to. I mean, the closest you get, and it's just whatever. It's just like oh, I used to dabble in being a bitch. Mm-hmm. It's like only because you dump people. That's not enough. And at no no point does he apologize for like insinuating that she fucked the entire after party. No, because it's his movie, so he doesn't have to. Presumably, just because it's like. She also maybe fooled around with a girl. I mean, like, they didn't even have like orgasms, really. Like, like, or like, no, like, like, presumably no, like, like genital contact. They used to make out, and I would touch the back of her knee. She says, "Whatever." All right, angry. My number five, Stephen Stills. I just really enjoy his like lead singer indie rock angst. Um, even though he's, he's like talent. minor, yeah, he's the talent. Um, I totally forgot to put him on here. What do you think of Garbage Truck? Launchpad McQuack and yeah. There's they're so like the I don't know, the the choices feel like the perfect kind of loser band choices, you know. It's just like it's slightly gimmicky the whole time. Well he's got his fucking like old Westy guy shirts mm-hmm. that like indie rockers wear. Yeah. Like like every indie rocker, like male indie rocker has that fucking shirt in their closet. Um like he's like fucking like Pete Yorn shirts. Um so number five, EP I might Scar go- The second one wasn't so bad. It's actually pretty good. Yeah, the first one's kind of forgettable. Mm-hmm. Uh, more interesting music career, ScarJo or Zoe Deschanel? I'd say ScarJo. I'd say ScarJo. Yeah, I would. I would love to go deep on ScarJo's career at some point. I think if you can take out <laughs> the ScarJo. The, her unfortunate comments about race and gender. I think she's one of those actors who like is so completely like divorced from reality that mm-hmm. she has no idea that like there's like a kind of like a negative vibe around her. Like cause her marrying Colin Joss is like the most scarred thing ever to do. And yet, like if you ignore that and look at her film career, it's pretty incredible. Like she she has cranked out some huge hits and some like excellent performances in indie movies. And yet it it's like she's definitely acting, you know, <laughs> because uh, none of those people are her seemingly. 
I just think that what she's doing is a much more va 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 voom Tilda Swinton. Mm. Um, she's almost got like if you really go deep, she's got like almost a David Bowie chameleon esque thing. I just wish it was more intersectional. Yeah, well, and that and the, that and she, she didn't go places she didn't need to go. That her personality seemed to reflect her choices, or most of them, I yeah. guess you would say, not all of them, but like most, most she worked with so many amazing directors, you know. But it's like, and yet you wanted to be a Ghost in the Shell, okay. I mean, anyone who's seen Under the Skin, go ahead and talk to me because I, I yeah. want to talk about that movie for like three days. But uh, like, I fucking love her. There's one scene in Winter Soldier where I think she's so fascinating. Just the um, Bye Bye Bikini. No, no. Even um, I think it's either when they're going to the mall or leaving the mall, and he's like trying to like figure this woman out, mm-hmm. and she's like, "The truth isn't all things to all people. What do you want me to be?" Like she just seems yeah. so like confused by normal human matters. I don't know. She's she is an alien. I just love um, the moment the bye bye bikini goes yell, but she's like terrible in now or something like that. Like I don't know the the way Black Widow plays with her sexuality constantly while never like fully committing to it. I find fascinating. Everything is a weapon to yeah. her if it, if it if it needs to be. But I mean, even like since Ghost World, mm-hmm. she's been really intriguing. Um, anyway, ScarJo isn't even in this movie. Yeah, are we about to do a ScarJo movie? maybe we need to i mean who would she be in this Uh, movie uh probably nine number four uh or did you do your number five already uh my number five i feel like this is where i get crucified for having this character so low okay kim pine get the fuck out of here um allison pill is 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 great in so many things including this movie i wish she was in more i think this wig is i think a lot of the wigs are just fucking hideous um but she's not meant to be like adorable Allison Pill who's, who's wonderful I mean like I will say this though Allison Pill is the engine by which I stuck around of Newsroom season one that's yeah definitely very true that wasn't there for John Gallagher Jr. so much no John Gallagher Jr. freaks me the fuck out <laughs> he looks like he owns a van yeah there's something about you know what that kind guy. of van I'm talking about mm-hmm. yeah um, it just creeps me the fuck out anyways who ScarJo could play it would be my number four although I think uh, Brie Larson kills it Envy Adams Natalie Veronica Adams. What a great character. Hmm. Just absolutely crushes the musical number and is a delight every time she speaks. Uh, there was an iteration of my, my list where she was number one. I can understand that. Uh, but my number four is Mr. Lucas Lee. Okay. Well, you know, when he's not getting plays back in his Winnie. Plays back in my Winnie. God, he's, he's talking about just like fucking stealing a scene. I know. Like he just skates off of it in the movie mm-hmm. and blows up. My number three, Kim Pine. She's uh just she's always there to uh let us know that Scott's a piece of shit. Yeah, I adore. Yeah. Scott, you are salt of the earth. I'm in scum of the earth. Oh, just what is the line again? Like, are you really happy or are you just really evil? <laughs> yes. Oh, just I just thought of this. What what would you think of Chris Evans as Gideon Graves? Um, no, too handsome. I think you needed someone a little more uh, Schwartzman-esque. I feel like Schwartzman's played that character before, though. It does feel familiar, yeah. Um, I mean, it's a little bit Max Fisher, but also, what was that fucking movie you did with Devin Sawa? Oh, uh, yeah, the Cheaters or doesn't, Slackers or something like that. Or doesn't he? Doesn't he play like a little like villain like this? Yeah, he's he's real ridiculous. Even though he's basically Rob Lowe in Wayne's World mm-hmm. here. 
Um, what are we at? Number three. Mm-hmm. This is where I have Brie Larson as Natalie Veronica Adams, also known as Envy. Um, oh yeah, she's oh, yeah. she's hot. She's fun. I mean, prior to this, I think she was in um, that show of Tony Collette where she had multiple personalities. Oh, is she in the, the United States of Terror? Yeah, I think she's the daughter in that. Okay. That's where I knew her from originally. And then she went and did a movie with John Gallagher Jr. Yeah, short term twelve, which is supposedly very good. I've just I don't know. I saw the trailer and I was like, that doesn't interest me. But it's supposedly very it good. It seemed like it was it's it was her half Nelson. Mm-hmm. Number two, controversial perhaps. Because I think she's gonna be number one. I had nice chow. And number two? That's right. Okay, so I know you have number one. Mm-hmm. So ours are switched. Yeah, because you have uh, Wallace. I have, I have Wallace at number two um, because he tells Nice from the very beginning that she's too good for Scott. He's just got a fucking energy. Like, honestly, Kieran Culkin as uh, as Scott would be better. That'd be interesting. Uh, just be the move he does, uh, we talked about earlier, where he like, hits his hand to toss the keys and hits Scott in the back of the, the head when he's drunk. When he walks in, he goes, guess who's drunk or something like that. Like, I don't know, he just, he nails every single line Wallace has he's like super fun and compelling on screen uh, but nice yeah. also is a delight in a completely different kind of role like Wallace is very aware of everything he's doing whereas nice is pretty naive and you know just playing it like a high schooler around older people but she's so much fun well I think I mean again Ellen Wong's my number one is nice mm-hmm. child she's fantastic I think she frustrates you in the first half I think you have to adore her in the second half it's it's kind of interesting just by the nature of her character, how it plays with the audience's emotions and like what you thought of her at the beginning, I think you think differently her by the end. I love the but way also, she's like hopping around when she finds out about their gig. Yeah. I mean, she's she is never less than one hundred and ten percent in this movie. Um, I know she's done some other things. I kinda hate that she's just like lost in the background of Glow. Um, which now lost real bitch move on, yeah. yeah, real bitch move by Netflix to cancel that show. Um fuck Netflix. Um but I, I don't know. Maybe I'll cancel them. But can I be a hero? No, I can't. Um, yeah, I just Not think she's great. I wish she was in more. Being. Never was. Um, yeah. All right. Well, what are we going to do next? <laughs> what ScarJo movie are we going to watch next? Yeah, I don't have her INDVF or anything. I feel like that could be rectified. I right, probably can. Do you really want to do a ScarJo movie? I don't know. We, we talked about her enough. Do you, Lucy? <laughs> oh, that movie's ludicrous. I remember seeing the trailer. I mean, that movie just goes completely off the rails like halfway through. But like the oh, trailer man. for that was pretty fucking tight, man. <laughs> or she's just like getting the shit beat out of her. And then she like suddenly becomes like a ninja. Pretty compelling. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> uh, man. What in here is. I mean, there's a lot of Marvel stuff, obviously. She she does small parts in a lot of like big director movies. Like she's in Hail Caesar. Um, she's yeah. in Isle of the Dogs. This is this is the time when we do Her. Vicky Christina Barcelona, right? Yeah. Her, Don John, never saw it. He's just not that into you? Mm-hmm. Was Hitchcock even in the theaters or is that like a TV movie? That was in the theaters. Okay. She plays um, Janet Lee. She's been a voice on Robot Chicken. Wow. Oh, who I mean, that, That's a voice get you to do things oh you know what we actually we are going to do doing a scar Joan movie soon at some point we're going to do the prestige with friend of the pod but i don't think that will be next week's so maybe we can save our scar Joe talk for then isn't the island especially terrible it's really bad and it stars scarlet and ewan mcgregor 
and they're both really bad in it. And yeah, it's Michael Bay. So what do you expect? Mm-hmm. All right. Well, were there any other movies on, on your list, your little, little black book that you wanted to do? Mm, no, no. All right. Well, maybe we take a week off. We'll see. Yeah, that sounds good. Cool. All right. But we'll be back at some point to uh, do our guest podcast with our winners. Is it Megan and Kayla? Uh, yes, it was. If if that works out, hopefully, hopefully they won't cancel on us. No, I mean, since we've called them out it, publicly, it's fine. You know, we're flexible. We'll work with you as long as it's on a single night of the week. Um, all right. Well, thanks everyone, and we'll be back in a week or and a half, two weeks or so. Yeah, we'll see you then. Bye bye.